0: Now, by request from Bay Ridge, Larry Underwood, and baby, can you dig your man? Well, baby,
1: can you?
2: Hello again, and welcome to episode 91, maybe, 91, we'll say 91, of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily.
3: M-O-O-N spells Christine. Mayhap it does, and mayhap it doesn't. <laughs> that's it, just shut it off that's now. That's it. Yeah, guys, it's we beat. didn't plan that. That was it. that
2: was what you call improvisation.
3: Yeah, that's it. It's all downhill.
2: Oh, God. I We have, I know I have, I'm sure you have, so much to talk about. Today, on this episode. Maybe too much. Oh, God, may too much.
3: <laughs> Christine, what are we covering on this episode? We're, we're covering the epic. Epic. Eight-, eight hour.
2: Is it eight hours? Well, it's well, like, it, it, you, it, it flew by. Yeah, well, it was eight hours with commercials, so... You know, like what six hours realistically?
3: I guess the six hour, um, the stand from 94, 94. Oh, cool! I was almost right. You were close. And um, also another movie, Land of the Dead. Yes. Um, which is the year that I can't remember. Two thousand five. Here we go. Um, yeah. Uh I don't take notes. I think you know that about me. Mm-hmm. I really wish that I had taken notes.
2: I took enough for both of us.
3: Trust me. I. Uh, sure you did i I, so think, many. I i know you enough to know that you probably noted things that i was looking to talk about Oh, i'm sure and guys like we're not like a big um what would you call it like a
2: uh, antic podcast like we don't really do like top lists or anything like that like we're we're kind of simple you know but um i got something <laughs> special prepared i made a drinking game for the stand <laughs>
3: I'm I'm shocked because it's
2: so easy. Like there are so many things that just keep happening where you're like, "Gee, if I drank every time a character said this, I'd be drunk." And yep. there's so many of those.
3: Yep. I'm pretty sure right. I said it during the movie. I'm curious to see what is in your drinking game. Okay. Okay. Um, we
2: can always add more. I'm telling you, oh, there's boy. a lot of alcohol in this world. Oh uh, yes. Oh boy. Yeah. It's it's gonna be a show, guys. It's gonna I be think a show. So. Yeah. Uh, it's It's been, I i don't know, for, I mean, yes for you, because you were even traveling. It's been a busy summer for us both. It has, so it has. We, yeah, so it's been like, a, again, a couple of weeks since we recorded. So we've been giving you less shows, but I like to think we're giving you more somehow, you know? You know
3: what? Quality, not quality. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: So <laughs> before we delve into our features today, and again, once we delve, it's going to be hard to get out. We, sh- we don't stop, Delvin. Once we starts, <laughs> mayhaps we won't. Uh, Christine, what else have you been watching other than the eight hours of your life you gave to 1994's The Stand?
3: Okay, well, I'm gonna go fast because this is almost a month's worth of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Kong Skull Island. What did you think? I have not seen it. It was so fucking good. Nice. Watched immediately. Yeah, my husband loved it. It was. I thought, so I had seen a couple people I trust had said, like, their opinions I really value were like, everyone shut up, this is so good. Sadly, I didn't hear that until, you know, it was well out of theaters, and I was like, okay, well, once this thing is, you know, rentable or whatever, I'm going to track it down. Zach was completely like, nah, I don't want to watch it, it's going to be dumb. And I was like, no, like, people are saying it's good. Mm-hmm. He's like, like, good, good? Or like, <laughs> and I'm like, like Look, people, people? Yeah, if it's I said if it sucks, let's shut it off. You know, it yeah. could. It was so amazing, cool. I was cheering. I was emotionally involved. Nice, like it was really great. So high recommend. Wonderful. Yeah. Um. Um. I rewatched the invitation just cause.
2: <gasps> yeah, I've been itching to rewatch that because it's so good. How does it hold up on second viewing?
3: Yeah. Um. It is good It is still very good I got to see it the first time in the theater And I think that that was an experience That mm-hmm. can never be mimicked Like sure. you just can't escape the paranoia Th- That Yeah, the that theater. is one of
2: those movies That I think is one of those First time watches Because it, it's so tense And what it does to you as the viewer yeah. Is really interesting And weird And skillful That uh yeah that that first watch is a beauty
3: yeah but i mean still absolutely watchable and like good and fun and interesting and you can now when you know how obviously like with any movie when mm-hmm. you know sure. how it's gonna Where play it's going. out when you rewatch it you can say oh i didn't pick up on that mm-hmm. the first time or oh see <laughs> he look at that look we know <laughs> what that means <laughs> yeah um i watched the the husband in that not um not 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 tom hardy i i do him a disservice by not knowing his name but the husband the bad guy and that okay movie, he's was... he's
2: on game of thrones he's dario naharis okay
3: thank you he was just in something else i watched and i can't remember oh but the whole time i'm watching it i'm like why where do i know this dude from and then i looked up and it was this he
2: showed up in another horror movie that i watched recently and i'm like that's dario naharis again i can't think was of what it, it is either
3: was it amber alert no how was
2: <laughs> Amber? but tell me about amber
3: alert there was a lot of yelling
2: Oh, I hate those kind of movies.
3: You wouldn't have liked it. Okay, that's
2: why. I mean, I mean, not to we'll get to Land of the Dead, but that's why Day of the Dead is like one of my least favorite of that of that group because everybody's yeah. just shouting the whole time.
3: Yeah, and the thing with this one, it, Amber alerts have found footage mm. as well. Oh God! So, do they do they keep saying what the fuck? What the fuck do they keep saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of improv, Oy. um, and a lot of just riffing, and you know that that's very much. There's a lot of yelling and repetitive yelling, um, which, which isn't awesome. So I don't recommend that, but um, in case you were wondering, Um, and then, okay. Okay. I watched a movie, I didn't talk about it last time because I wasn't in love with it, but it was called Shimmer Lake, mm-hmm. and it's on Netflix, it's like a Netflix original, okay. and there was like a really hot dude in it, and I was like, Ooh. this dude's smoking hot. Um, so I looked <laughs> him up, and he played Abe Lincoln in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, that's, I know who that is. I, oh, girl, girl,
2: that <laughs> is, um, what's his name, who is, who was married to Meryl Streep's daughter, is not oh, now. Really? I saw him on Broadway in two shows, and he is um, handsome and such. Ben yeah.
3: something. I'm sure that's his name is <laughs> Ben. Um, he he was so handsome in the Shimmer Lake movie that I multiple times looked at Zach and was like, I don't know what's going on in this movie. He's so distracting. <laughs> and so he's like, look him up, see what else he was in. And then I, I just about lost my mind when I saw he was in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Benjamin a movie that... There we go. That sounds right. I would have said that I liked that movie. The just vampire was hot? Movie.
1: Oh, oh. Well, he
3: no, he's Abe Lincoln. I don't know, <laughs> but I thought I liked it when I saw it, and then I re, upon rewatch, I don't think I liked it. Rewatches are tricky because they can really make you not like something you thought you liked.
2: This is true. This is true. Sometimes it makes you know you. It, there's also that whole like giving a pass to a movie. I always say that about like that was me in Terminator Genesis, not Genesis, yeah. the other one, the um, Salvation. I wanted to like that movie so much. And everybody mm-hmm. hated it, and I'm like, no, 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 it wasn't that bad. No, 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 this made sense, this made sense. And then, like, a few years later, it was on TV, and I started watching it, and I'm like, oh, wow, no, this is really that bad. Yeah. It's, it's that, like, what kind of, I mean, so much of anything you, any entertainment you consume is so much about you as the consumer and where you mm-hmm. are at that spot in life.
3: It's so true, but, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I left, I, I walked away from it going, like, right whereas i walked into it being like i like this movie what gotcha
2: <laughs> fun fact um, benjamin walker is um is a broadway guy i saw him in andrew Blade buddy andrew jackson and in american psycho where he uh-huh. played um the american Fuck psycho
3: you. he are you serious yeah he's Patrick that Bateman
2: must... on on broadway i mean not anymore cuz it must closed have been
3: amazing. this show
2: opens and it's him just in his underwear like shirtless and my god he got ripped for that and he can sing, yeah. No, he's. If you see him, give a, give a my number. I will. He's very tall, so I don't know that he'd see me. I'd be like, "Hey, excuse me, excuse me," but he's like six five or something, <laughs> and he wouldn't. He'd be like, it's, "I hear an ant talking. Where is that?" Yeah. And then he would step Fun on fact, me, and I would die. Emily's two feet tall. Yes, yes. It doesn't. I mean, when you podcast, like you sound bigger. It's getting mm-hmm. like the way like the camera adds fifteen pounds. Um, podcasting adds three feet.
3: Yep yes two feet tall yeah did you see atomic blonde <gasps> yes i did okay i did too okay I figured you did yeah i liked it a lot i loved it yeah the story's a mess
2: i don't care yeah. it was exactly what i wanted it was hot charlie's Theron dressed in hot clothes oh. beating up oh. people and being fucking awesome um yep. i james i for you know i know you've always been a james Look, mcavoy he's so good he's so good yeah yeah I think it's because I've he's not my type as far as I mean he's a, he's attractive I would never say he's not but he is not my type he's a little too skinny for me he's a little too like young looking and I think because of that I always like I never quite appreciate him as much but watching him in this it just
3: reminded me like he's a fucking great actor he's so good yeah. I felt the same way after I watched that M. Night Shyamalan movie whose name I can't think oh, of split. right now. <laughs> yeah there you go yeah um I thought the same thing. I went, oh, he is really good. He's good in Atonement. Yep, He's good yep. in X-Men First Class. He's good in everything. Yeah. He's so good in this movie. Yeah.
2: Uh, and I love the setting. I love the look. I love yep. the music. Like, I love of the those music. movies, everybody in it is cooler than me. And it makes yep. me feel like I'm kind of cool because I get to hang out with these people for 90 minutes.
3: I thought it was great. I I, I mean, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. I, I would like to watch it again. Yep. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yep i'm glad you like it too I do. um i rewatched rose red because i hate myself <laughs> um i've never watched it i stand firm that there are aspects of that movie that are interesting or that miniseries that are interesting the opening like the beginning is really interesting it's also just um haunting on hill house like it, that's all it is okay it's but it's interesting so it's a if you ever miniseries oh boy i think so okay maybe a little bit we watched it a lot months. of
2: time to Stephen king this month
3: you don't even know there's so much more oh, i bet um <laughs> i watched a lonely place to die which has been on my my netflix list forever uh, that's the one with um um melissa george yes yeah that one i feel like has a
2: great first hour and then just kind of thank loses
3: you it. right literally it, it turns into a different movie and it's a movie <sighs> that i don't out.
2: Like the first hour is survivalist horror. So, They're rock hunt rock climbing or something. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden it's like we're running through this small town yeah. for the next thirty minutes. Yep.
3: Yeah. No, I I remember being really disappointed by that. The opening, the beginning is so good. Yep. And I like movies that change. Like I'm I think that's fun. When sure. like a movie changes tone or changes setting. And it's become something you didn't expect, but like this is like I wouldn't have started watching this movie. It's like
2: imagine The Descent, and then at so at one point when they're going through the cave, they come out and they're in a um, laundromat for the next hour.
3: Like it just oh, but yeah. actually no, that sounds like kind of an awesome movie. Ignore the laundromat. <laughs> are they are they doing laundry? No. How
2: about they're at a um, Vegas casino? No, because that also sounds kind of fun. No, stop. Your ideas
3: are too good. Yes, I am. I am a (laughs) screenwriter just waiting to happen. Um, I'm glad to hear you say that, though. I was disappointed by the turn it took, but Mm -hmm. I I was so on board up until then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I made Zach watch End of Days. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever watched it in full. This is a movie, another movie I'm convinced that I like. And then when I watch, I go, oh, I don't like this movie. <laughs> I think I remember,
2: was it Night Living Podcast reviewing it and pointing out, like, <laughs> how annoying it is that, like, this whole s- sacrificing to Satan and everything, but yet somebody took the time to put the sacrifice, to put the woman in, like, a white gown.
3: Yeah, there's so much stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's um, Robin Tooney. Mm-hmm. And and her name is Christine in it, and I think that might be why I always liked it, because I like her, and that's Fair. also my name. Sure. in case you didn't know. I did. Um, yeah, don't rewatch that. Um, let's see. Oh, I finally watched *Girl with All the Gifts*. Have you watched it? Yeah, it's on Amazon. The, no, um, Jason is a big fan of it. I have not given it a go yet. I want to know what you think. Okay. I liked it. Good. Um, a lot. But I want to know what you think. Okay. Um, I watched The Witches on Hulu. Um, the the um Raoul Dahl one. Uh, yeah. With Angelica Houston. Oh yes. Have you never uh, seen it? Oh, I've seen. I okay. was obsessed with oh, it when God, I was a kid. So how does I it watch? How does it watch as an adult? Even better. Yes. It's so amazing. Like I was it was one of those movies where I was like looking around for a kid to steal to put in front of the TV with me. Like I want I want to see a reaction yeah, to this. you deserve to have nightmares from this. So do you remember it really vividly? I do, yeah. I mean it's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Me too. What's his and name?
2: I... Nicholas Roig Roig, oh, Roig, I Roig I Directing.
3: Know. Like yep. it is
2: yeah, this is not a kiddie film. Like nope. this is one of those. Almost when you talk about like the 80s era of Something Wicked This Way Comes Mm -hmm. and Cloak and Dagger, like all those really dark kids movies, like this is probably the end tale of that. Yep. Yeah.
3: So I remembered it beat for beat. I remembered every scene. I remember every... Bitches of
2: England, you're disgraced. Yeah.
3: The thing is, you... Of course we remember that, but then when you watch it as an adult, that's when the nostalgia collapses. That's when you go, oh, I don't remember that looking bad, or oh, I don't remember this being boring. It didn't happen. It didn't happen, though. It was like, oh, this looks so good. Yeah. Oh, this is so pacey. Yep. So through the whole thing, and I'm sure you remember it because I never gave a shit when I watched it, Angelica Houston has an assistant who she is very mean to. Yep. And she makes her eat in her room. During the big banquet when they all get the potion. Um, And at the end, she goes to visit Luke. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I started crying. Aww. Oh I'm gonna cry again. Aww. I never remember caring about that. Yeah. But she had she was she was wearing heels because she had toes again and she had her hands out and I was like, Oh Aww. she's a good witch now. So weird things happen when you watch movies it from your childhood. Same. Yeah, no, I, I understand, I do. Never cared about it. Yeah when I was a kid. Rewatched it and I was like for that alone, this movie Ten is a Yeah. Loved it. So yeah. rewatch it if you get a chance. Oh, I will. I lie. I, oh, yeah.
2: It's so. It's good. occasionally on cable and I'll catch bits of it, and every time I do, I'm like, yeah. Still, yeah. It. It,
3: it looked really good on Hulu as well. Like, good. the picture looked really clean and the colors looked great. And um, it's Jim Henson X, uh, oh, I, I
2: believe. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yep. So good. Um, So I watched Dead Zone, not the entire series, the movie. Okay. <laughs> I just sat and watched that Anthony Michael Hall series all month. Oh god, uh, you poor
2: thing. Uh, no. actually I can't speak to that. I never watched the series. It
3: may have been delightful uh, for all it I know.
2: It might have been great. Who um, knows? so The Dead Zone the movie. Now I I watched it years ago. I read it about mm. I read it um about probably 6 months before the election uh st- like I read it like end of 2015. Mhm. Um it made 2016 even harder. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Did you find that watching the movie? Did it kind of feel a little too
3: relevant? It was. It was. It was surprisingly relevant. Yeah. Um, though it was. I watched this maybe a decade ago. Like, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any connection to it not, at all. I definitely enjoyed it a lot more this time. Okay, it's shocking how good Christopher Walken is. Like, oh, yeah. I guess I forget because I mean, he's he, such he a plays he's a... such
2: a joke. Yeah, he plays such a caricature so often.
3: Yeah, and. It,
2: and I mean, even some of his comedic stuff is one of those things, you like, when you really take a step back, you're like, oh, no, like, he, what he's doing is really good here. Yeah. But yeah, Dead Zone, where he's playing kind of a straight man, yeah. even though, you know, he's a straight man with ESP and all this other stuff, it it does remind you, like, oh, yeah, he, he's a really good actor.
3: He's so but, good. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed watching it. It was a good rewatch. I'm glad I looked at it again, because I kind of had a eh feeling about sure. it. Um, I watched The Accountant for some reason, I think because it's on HBO. Okay. Um, what did you think of The Accountant? <laughs> I liked the beginning enough, and then it was really boring. Right, I don't know. I feel I like don't... if
2: you name your movie The Accountant, you're supposed to be boring. No like, offense to Accountants out there.
3: I don't think, sometimes I don't think new releases are really, like, wide new releases are for me. Sure. Um, I re rewatched Snowpiercer because I wanted to feel terrible. I've been thinking about rewatching
2: watching that.
3: Go for it, it'll make you sad. <laughs> well, I mean um, it's like uplifting to an extent, isn't it? It is, but it the the, the crushing reality yeah. of of what happens in it oh. is like the we'll get into this with Land of the Dead. Okay. The separation of sure. of the haves and the yep. have nots is is at a point now and I think in our lives that is, is really obvious for us, more yes. so than I think it's ever been for me, personally. Sure. Um, so to see that on film, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is not that fantastical.
2: Yeah, I suppose that's a depressingly realistic way of looking at it. But,
3: but like, I, I remember um, being really upset by Snowpiercer when I saw it in the theater. Like, I, I think I ended up crying at the end. Um, but I didn't get that emotional this time. Okay. I got more angry, I think. It left me feeling... Re- Really angry. Huh. Huh. I, you should rewatch it though. I, I got it from the yeah. library. Still on, is it still on Netflix? Uh, um, I, I didn't see it streaming anywhere. Gr- okay. Granted, I didn't look that hard. I just. You saw it the library. I just asked the library to give it to got me it, because it, I didn't see it. it anymore. Understood. I'll take this. Um, I asked Zach if he wanted to watch Wild Wild West because that's another movie I'm convinced that I like. <laughs> I've never seen it. I. I kind of like it. That's Will fair. Smith can do anything, and I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, the,
2: the guy has charisma. That's uh, why he was the biggest star for a very long time, and maybe again one day. He's very charismatic. Yeah.
3: Hopefully, again one day. Um, um,
2: now I, I feel like I, I watched have to make sure Fox I use
3: the movie song. Oh.
2: Oh no! I'm just making a note to myself Uh-oh. that I'll try We're to, to, to sing- find the theme song to that. Uh oh. <laughs>
3: so the Wild Wild West. You enjoy it? I'm not really, but I mean, <laughs> I'll watch it any time it's on. <laughs> um, yeah. I watched um the Foxcatcher documentary and the Foxcatcher movie. Ah, okay. The documentary was um enjoyable. I did not enjoy the movie. Really? So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe after seeing, it could have been an expectation thing. Like, I Which watched doc- order. Did you do
2: it? Did you do the documentary first, and then the movie? Documentary
3: first. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder. Maybe. if things would have been different the other way. Maybe yeah. I expected a different story hmm. or something, yeah. or from a different angle. Um, I finally watched Christine. As <laughs> you can tell, I'm enam- I'm enamored with my name, but uh, I think it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. I've I have it on my
2: queue, and I've downloaded it on my phone. But everything I've heard about it, it seems like a movie I need to watch when I'm in a very specific frame of mind. Emily. Yeah.
3: It was so upsetting. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I think that we should cover it. Okay, well then I will have to watch it. It, I split it, so a thing that I will tell you that I know you do, I wouldn't split it. That's, I, that is another reason I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I I did split it I started it way too late at night And I didn't realize it I believe it is like two hours mm-hmm. I didn't realize how long it was And I was like Oh buddy You need to go to bed Picked it up the next night And then it started to get really dark Like emotionally Not yeah. outside And um, I thought Oh had I done this all together I think this would have been A real gut punch But I think it lost something Splitting it up Okay Good to know It's She's so good though Yeah Yeah Ugh. So, high recommend for that one. Um, I finally watched Carol. It only took me a thousand I years. I still haven't watched Carol, and I need to because I love that Todd Haynes. Boy, it's good too. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Um, it made that one made me upset too. I think I've been alone a lot. Zach has a job that's opposite hours, well. so I've been watching things and crying, oh. like you know, the witches and Carol. <laughs> as you do, as you do, um, the stand. Oh, I didn't cry at the stand. What? So like, you know what? I did get a little choked up. We'll talk about okay. it. Okay. Oh, we. Um, oh my God, we will. Carol was really, really great. Yeah. It is not my favorite Todd Haynes, which mm-hmm. is a thing that I can say, because um, I've seen a lot of them. But it's um, really good. What is her name? I, New Rooney Mirror Mara. Face. Rooney. No, Rooney Mara. I get them confused. Not it. only in name, not in face. I know you don't like Rooney Mara. I know you don't. I I
2: know. I I really don't. But I've heard she's fantastic in Carol.
3: It's like you forget it's her. Like she really does. She does the thing where she transcends what we know about her and becomes this character. (sighs) Fine. Look, you can chalk it up to Todd. You can say it's all him and his amazing direction.
2: That is fair because he can direct, especially actresses, very well.
3: So – just tremendous yeah you would you i, think I, you'd I really need like. to see it
2: i know i do i've
3: just been just been procrastinating i know um i watched a movie called daybreak i don't remember what it was though so i'm gonna <laughs> just skip right over it and then i rewatched house like
2: the um william cat one wait no yes yes it is william cat yeah yes what do you think of that movie
3: i don't like it yeah. this is the third- this is the third time I've seen it, and every time I try to like it and I don't.
2: It, I mean, it has a very um, – a, a lot of people I think we both know feel a lot of affection for it. Yep. It is a horror comedy, which is a yep. very tricky thing to do, and if you're not into it, it's very easy to really not like. Um, 100%. Yeah, I, I watched it a couple of years ago, and I – I don't know what it was, but there was just the tone couldn't I couldn't quite connect to it. I didn't find it funny, and I didn't find
3: it scary, and it mm-hmm. is kind of uh, weird at being both. And yeah. Yep. Okay. It's it's a bizarre movie. Um, yes. Zach Zach, I think had like re- remembered this nostalgia um, episode. He had remembered <laughs> nostalgia for it. Okay. And I said I never saw it as a kid. Because I didn't. Right. And everybody I knew had, like, child nostalgia. Oh, it was always on Showtime or whatever. So I saw it for the first time as an adult, and I was like, oh, no, no. This is not for me. Yeah. Um, and so I said, I think you're going to have the same experience with it. I think you're going to get bored. So we, we rented it from the library because it was just sitting there. And I was like, sure, I'll watch it with you. Um, I was I was checking my phone 15 minutes in. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was on my phone. And he's like, this isn't good, is it? And I said, <laughs> I mean, no, I, it's not, this is not appealing to me because I don't, like you said, I, it's not funny to me.
2: Yeah. It's
3: and that's not, such a big part of yep, it. Yep. And it's, it's like a weird, cause isn't, he's a Vietnam vet. Yes.
2: Yeah, there's it's just, just like, like, that aspect is so strange to yeah, me. Yeah. There's like this heaviness to it. I, I feel like there is something either his, like, it feels a little misogynistic if memory serves, right? Like there's something weird going on with his wife or his ex-wife and
3: that whole his ex-wife and his missing son thing is strange the yeah. vietnam thing is strange yeah. there's a thing okay so actually it was my favorite part the middle of the movie his neighbor who had just been like scandalously swimming in his pool um brings comes over to his house and you think it's like Tabone but she has her very young son oh yeah i she remember just this gives him the son and leaves and there's like this whole thing of that of him giving the kid a bath my favorite part because that kid was enjoyable but then 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 she literally comes picks up the kid and leaves and that's it they're done they're out of the movie
2: yeah i remember feeling as though a lot of things didn't quite add up
3: yeah so i don't know i get it people really like that movie though so it's an, an unpopular opinion to have
2: but i guess I've, i have it with you
3: i've given it 3 shots now i think i think i think that's it i think that's maximum three. one more
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> maybe one uh, to foul
2: and that's it for me. I'm sorry I went long, sorry. No, that's okay. What an interesting assortment you had there. Very eclectic. That's right. me. Um mine is I would, I'm going to call mine pretty eclectic because here's the first movie on my list. So this was a Netflix long wait, which, as I've told everybody, you put it at the top of your list because then either A, it goes out of print, so you want to get it while it's still circulating, or mm-hmm. B, it, they send you an extra movie because they'll feel bad that your top movie is um, a long wait. And um, my long wait movie was 2008. Ice Princess Starring Michelle Trachtenberg as oh, I a know what this movie High is. school science nerd yeah. who starts figure skating. Why is this a long way? I I guess there aren't many copies of it, or people are taking the copies and doing unseemly things with their DVDs. I don't know. Um Kim Cottrell plays her uh skating coach. Joan Cusack plays her mom, and Joan Cusack is always a delight, no matter yes, what she's doing, she's a delight in this. Um, huh. Yeah, so, oh, and Hayden Panettiere is, um, like, her rival, but, like, mm-hmm. she's, like, you think she's going to be a bitch, but she's actually not. They have a friendship. Um, oh, nice. uh, so, guys, I love figure skating, so I'll watch anything with figure skating, and that includes Ice Princess. And the thing about this movie is I would not recommend it to, to any, I guess, if you're, <gasps> like, a teenager. No. no, it's not bad. Like, it's fine. It's just I can't imagine any reason um, any other 35-year-old woman would watch this movie. Uh, it's fun, Like, it's honestly, like, it's not, um, it's very much about this, you know, smart girl who just decides, like, I have a passion for figure skating. So I'm going to become a figure skater and there's friendship <laughs> and she has to work hard. And, um, that's, suppose, but those I... are all the things you love. Oh, I know. I'm, but I'm saying like, I'm just, I, I had fun with it. I did enjoy it. I just can't uh, imagine who I recommend it to. I guess like 13 year old Girls, so what
3: if you really like the Cutting Edge?
2: Um, I feel like you should have watched this first. Like, oh, and damn I, mean, it. I love the Cutting Edge. This is no Cutting Edge, but it's that's not sad. like this is probably your like Cutting Edge sequel. Like, it's probably up. Like, that's where it falls. Um, so it's you know that's Ice Princess.
3: All right, yeah. Um, so
2: that's what I got from Netflix. My husband gets a different movie from Netflix. He gets a movie called Free the Nipple. And I think we might have watched them the same day. Uh, This was like an independent film from maybe two or three years ago, fairly new. Uh, It is um, the I think the lead also like wrote and directed it, and she seems very young. Like I I believe it's written by somebody like in their twenties. It feels like it. Uh, It's a um, story about a young journalist who ends up um, befriending this activist who basically they're all about saying uh, in New York city, it is technically legal to be for a woman to be topless anywhere. A man can be topless, but yet that's still taboo. And you'll still, a woman would still get arrested if she took her shirt off and you know, this is sexist and it's all because of society and so on and so on. It's a very earnest movie. Um, It's cute. It, I chuckled a few times. My husband liked it much more than I did. Mm -hmm. I found it a little bit, You know a kind of eh, this is a movie made by like a 28 year old woman who you know has good ideas and you know has a good ear and has a you know can write well enough but it felt it felt very much like a first film from like a millennial I guess yeah um but it like it was it was earnest and it had good intentions and I enjoyed it well enough Uh, I wouldn't put the energy into seeking it out but if it comes on instant one of these days you might enjoy it I'd say check it Mm -hmm. out um on we also have hbo now which i'm paying for for game of thrones so i've been yep. trying to make <laughs> the most out of it and i've been watching some of the movies on there uh we watched the conjuring part two
3: <gasps> did you like it i remember really liking it so i
2: i don't know i again Brannon loved it Brannon really liked it i think he liked it more than the first one i I don't – I had a couple of problems, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and I have some solutions, but not quite. I had a hard time getting into it. I realized as I'm watching this movie that I was – in hindsight, I was thinking about a lot of things. Like, the movie ended, and the first thing I did was say, oh, we have to do this and this and this tomorrow, and don't forget, we have to do this. Like, all those things that clearly I'd been thinking about while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. I was also – I realized I got distracted at a certain point because – I started thinking of Patrick Wilson as being the dad in Insidious. Like, without really like, thinking like of you it.
3: Mushed I, them together? Kind
2: of. Like, at one point when he's talking about something, I'm like, oh, right, because he can't, you know, he has that connection to the further because of when he was a kid. Wait, mm-hmm. no, that's a different movie. This isn't the same character. And I think part of it, and this might have been part of my problem with it, it's this: the monster in this movie, like, the main demon has such an insidious look.
3: Oh, for sure. And so the first
2: one's way better. Okay, I like the I like the first one a lot more. I the think first the first one great. blows the ending like Insidious does, but I think oh. that first I think there's a lot more going for the Conjuring even though the ending doesn't fully satisfy me, I'm still really involved with the first one.
3: Yes. This I I there were there were I have to rewatch the second one. There are aspects of the second one that I really liked, mm-hmm. but it, it does fall flat in a lot of ways yeah So you thought it was too insidious-ish if that was part of it i feel like it was over plot like there was a little
2: too much going on like I, And I, part of it, I think, is that they were really trying to be um, this is based on a true story. And it does yeah. that thing. I can't remember who said this. It might have been B-Movies podcast. Um, or uh, that any movie that's based on a true story. And then over the credits when they show pictures of the real people next to the mm-hmm. actors in the movie. It's basically the, hey, look how good our wigs were credits. And with this one, <laughs> the fact that they do that and they do it with... Um, Like, every character in the movie, it just made me feel like, oh, somebody decided it was really important for them to hit all these beats of what was recorded in the true story. Yeah. So, all of the skeptics, like, Franca Potente plays, like, one of the skeptics. I don't, you know, what's she really doing there? It feels somehow like I'm supposed to know more about her, but then I don't. Mm -hmm. It just, like, it felt like a little too much plot and character that ultimately took away from the story of this one family, and even all the stuff I mean Vera Formiga is my goddess, I love the woman, and I think she's she's great in it, but I feel like there's a lot a lot of it's more about her than it is about this family that's being haunted. it It could have been two separate things, yeah, and they, yeah. They, by molding them, it just makes it feel i don't know I never felt the um like, the urgency and the tension. I don't really know, even know what the ghost was in the end. I realized at a certain point either they didn't explain it or they explained it so much that I wasn't paying attention. Like, because ultimately the ghost has nothing to do with this family. It's all about yeah. Vera Farmiga, but why is it in London then? And it was, you know, the old man doesn't have anything to do with anything, but he does. And I, it was just so much that I think I, I tuned out when I wanted to be invested because I liked the family, I liked the kids. Um, I just... Yeah. yeah, it was just like there was too much there that was blocking me from just watching a scary movie and being scared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, on HBO Go, I watched a movie called Perkins 14, which is a one of, it was one of the After Dark. Remember when they used to do the After Dark I series? I do remember that. And, and I'm pretty sure movies. if I
3: looked... If I looked at the um, cover for this, I'm pretty sure You'd probably I would recognize, re- recognize it. it. Yeah, some it. of
2: those yeah. movies were great. Like, that that series produced Mulberry Street, The Children. Like, some great stuff came out of that. Some shitty stuff came out of that. Some okay stuff came out of that. This is in the okay camp. Uh, it's directed by the same guy that did Dark Ride, which is one of the shitty things that came out of that. This mm-hmm. is better than Dark Ride. Um, it has a really good story. The story is... Um, there's a town, and like ten years ago, uh, a bunch of kids were kidnapped. They never found the kidnapper. They never found the kids. And the old, like there's this one cop who one his son was kidnapped, so he's still been on the case. And one night he catches a guy who's a pharmacist um, who seems to maybe know a little too much about this. And he realizes that this is the guy that's, that gets kidnapped the kids. And they get to his house and they find the kids. And basically, it's kind of like a 28 Days Later sort of situation where the kids have been kidnapped and have just been, like, drugged and abused for 10 years, Mm -hmm. that they're essentially, um, like, on ecstasy going around killing everyone. But at the same time, these are victims. So there's, like, a good sort of moral balance of you don't want to see them get, you know, kind of get deposed, but you also don't want to see them kill people. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a really good story to hinge on for a horror film because there's a lot of emotion every way um it's a low budget it the gore is great it actually looks like all of the violence and all the gore is done really well uh the acting is very mixed it's filmed in romania and you can tell because random actors have accents and it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to fit uh it's it's not great it has a lot of problems um it's one of those movies where you're like watching an intense chase but then you realize you have no idea how close anybody is to each other so it's Mm -hmm. i don't think it's directed well but it's still better than a lot of other things that you might randomly come upon and watch like it's it's fairly solid and really dark uh so that was that one um one more movie that was on well i might
3: i would i would look at that i think
2: you i'd be really curious what you think i think you'd have similar feelings. I think you'd see some of the good and some of the bad in it. Yeah.
3: But that it's... was a solid review. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. But no. You... <laughs> it's
2: I, like, I'm curious. I, I want to hear what you think.
3: It is on I'll HBO look at go. it.
2: Okay. Uh, also on HBO go is Christine. Did you
3: like a night's tale? Yes. Okay. No. no, I don't know. Did I? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not terrible. Well, if you
2: liked it, Then I guess you might like The Order. What's that? The Order is directed by the same guy that did A Knight's Tale. It is starring half of the cast of A Knight's Tale. This was the Heath Ledger Priest demon hunting movie. Do you not remember? I don't know that
1: movie. Oh, God.
2: I think it was, like, 2003, but I think it was on a shelf for a while. Okay. The CGI is glorious. Uh, So Heath Ledger plays a priest (laughs) because... We all have had a priest like Heath Ledger.
3: Very believable
2: casting. Like he's one of those priests who like sort of hunts demons kind of thing. Because again, yep, that's what Uh, you do. And apparently, there is something called a sin eater, and a sin eater is like a person who's given like kind of immortal life, but not quite. They can die, but it's going to take them a really long time. And basically, what they do is if somebody is dying and they've sinned and they have not made a confession to a priest, a sin eater like swoops in and is like, I'm going to eat your sins and you can go to heaven. It's, it's like a back door into heaven. Um, so, Heath Ledger is supposed to hunt the sin eater. Uh, he does, and then it's like, oh, maybe sin eaters aren't so bad. But of course, <laughs> sin eaters are very bad. Uh, Peter Weller is in this movie. He
3: what is this movie called
2: again? The Order.
3: Okay, I am looking at it right now. This is
2: one of those movies that's just like you're watching it and you're like, yeah, there is so much they missed about it because clearly it's like when Heath Ledger was like right when he was really hot, right 2003, it's like right when like he's kind of the next big thing. And somebody decided to make a thriller where he pr- plays a priest, but it's like a thinking man's thriller. And the thing is it's really boring for about the first hour and 15 minutes and then it gets mm-hmm. insane. Like, they go underground, and there's this, like, crazy black pope thing happening, and there's people, like, in order to get information, they hang people from nooses, and while people are dying, they can tell them information. Um, And all the while, the CGI is terrible. This is not good, and it's boring, but it's almost worth it, because it gets so weird at the end that you're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'm glad I stuck that out. Huh. Yeah. Again. I'm looking at stills from it right now and it really does
3: look boring. It's boring
2: it is. Like have it on while you're doing other things. Like while you are folding your laundry or doing your taxes
3: or clipping mm. your cat's nails. Like Um there's a DVD cover the from some I don't know obviously alternate title, Sin Eater. Mm-hmm. So there oh, you go. They say Sin Eater so many times and you would think
2: that like by the 10th time they say it, it wouldn't be funny anymore. But no, every time they say Sin Eater, I'm like, <laughs> that's stupid. Every time. Sin every Eater. Time. Like Peter Weller sin. says Sin Eater a lot. Uh, and you will laugh every time he says it. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I got a few more. Um, on This was one that a lot of people have really repped for, and this is on Netflix Instant, and this is The Devil's Candy.
3: Oh, yeah, I haven't watched it. I liked I, it. I know people are, have been into it.
2: Yeah, I, I liked it well enough. I think I did this movie a big disservice because I started watching it, and then I had to stop it about halfway through, and I didn't get back to it for like two days.
3: Ooh, I hate when that happens.
2: Yeah, and while this is really just kind of a fairly straightforward horror film with some interesting elements, um, I think I feel like I really did hurt the pace of it because it's actually a very simple, straightforward one family, one other character yeah. movie, uh so I would watch it in one sitting it was it was good everybody's good It's nice to see Ethan embry um mm. he well, I do enjoy him he and he seems wonderful at um Horror Hound last year he was there promoting this movie. But I think he was, like, because they were showing it, so I think it was one of those, like, kind of promotional things. But basically for, like, one day he was signing autographs, but he wasn't charging for them. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, like, obviously studios are going to do and stuff. But the thing was, because his table was right near on Night of the Living podcast table, so I was over there for mm-hmm. a while. He seemed, like, such a nice, enthusiastic guy, and he was so nice to his fans that
3: I will, like, always like him now from that. That's funny that you mentioned that. If if somebody can tell me what movie I'm talking about, I'll give you a dollar. I'll mail it to you. Um, he was in Providence. This is back maybe when I was in high school or just about graduated. He was in Providence, Rhode Island, filming something. Who the fuck knows what? National and Lampoon's Vegas so Vacation, maybe. Stories Good ones or bad ones? In Providence, Rhode Island amazing things about him people could not stop talking about how nice he was um and I've never forgotten that and this is like like 15 years ago now more probably almost yeah so yeah I mean I, I guess he's nice he seems like I mean just standing
2: and watching him talk to fans for like two hours he just seemed like he was totally Like, you know, like, making eye contact with people and really, like, just, you know, like, one of those, like, really, like, friendly stars that you see sometimes. So, um, give the guy your vote and watch The Devil's Candy.
3: (laughs) This is tangential and doesn't really belong here, but I will figure I'll say it out loud. Um, So, I've been to a bunch of shows recently that um, Matthew Lillard has been at. Ah. And he seems like the nicest person ever he could be he could be he could be the worst i do not know i did not interact Mm -hmm. with him personally i saw him interact with um the best one was so we saw him twice in texas and then when we were up in washington he was at one up here and he was you know doing his thing people were very excited to see him mostly for scream but some girl dressed up like the like one of the monsters from 13 ghosts (laughs) that's awesome which was amazing and i like smacked Zach, and I was like, that's a 13 ghost thing! (laughs) And he's like, okay, great. But, like, a lot of scream people, but then, as we were rounding the corner, I think we were just about to leave, we had to walk past his table again, and there was this little tiny girl walking up to him, and, like, she didn't, she seemed pretty trepidatious, and then He started talking to her like shaggy and she lost her cool. She just like was like, oh, Oh my God, God. God." what is happening? It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And it just melted me. I was a pile. Also, he's super handsome. But I was just like a puddle (laughs) on the floor because that is adorable. Yeah. So it was super cute. So that's nice. People talk. Yeah. It's nice when people people, when like, you know, I mean, we'll
2: talk about Tom Savini later. So, you know what? It's really (laughs) nice when movie stars aren't assholes. (laughs) Yep. Good to know. There you go. All right, I just have a few more on my list. Um, one was an Amazon Prime watch. Um, I kind of want you to watch this. This is a Evil Doll movie called Heidi, and it is found footage. Okay, I've seen it go by. I'm sure you have. The, oh, the, it, <laughs> what's hilarious is that the cover. It is. It is. It looks like it's an Asylum version of Annabelle. It's not. Mm-hmm. I think it was made before Annabelle, but it's so clear that whoever, like, got it was then like, well, dude, we'll just change well, we even, have like, to, yep. the picture of the cover, it's, like, just the Annabelle doll, but it's not the doll in the movie at all. So this is a weird one, and Jason and I had the same exact feeling watching it. It starts off, and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm watching another shitty found footage horror movie where it's about a white teenage boy who's an asshole who just says what the fuck all the time. And, like, at a certain point of this movie... I was fucking into it. Like, in the... W- Brandon had, like... I started watching it in the morning. What is it called? Heidi, Heidi? Heidi. Yes. I started watching it in the morning, and Brandon was, like, kind of overhearing a lot of it. And he's like, oh, God, that looks great. And then I, when I come home, I'm like, oh, hey, so I finished that doll movie. And he's like, oh, was it terrible? I'm like, I don't think so. Or maybe it was, but it worked on me. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it... Um, like, because I can't decide if one of two things happened. If this, if the filmmaker was, like, actually trying to do something where, which I feel like Megan is Missing does this, where it makes you think that you hate these characters, mm-hmm. that you're not there, like, oh, God, I hate teenagers, all this. But if, by doing that, it, like, slowly pulls you in and then flips it on you where you're like, but I don't want to see them die. Or if it was just as they filmed, everybody got more comfortable with cameras and everything got better. Mm-hmm. I don't quite Interesting. know. Interesting. Yeah um you might watch it and just hate it but to anybody out there who's like just like debating watching it please give it like at least an hour like don't turn it off at the half hour mark give it one hour because i think at the one hour mark you're going to suddenly be like "Ooh, ooh, i wonder what's going to happen i can't explain it and i really want more people to watch it so that i know i'm not alone again so I'm this very, is an official recommendation. this from is you. kind of yeah i've had two people that had the same feeling as i did so jason was one and I had a commenter on my blog who, like, watched it because I recommended it and said the same thing. He's like, yeah, I was surprised, but it was kind of effective in the end. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I really thought, but, but, like, when this movie ended, I really thought, I'm like, am I crazy? Am I getting soft? Like, what's going on? But I was kind of creeped out by this movie by the end of it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's weird. Like, again, when you start watching the movie, you're going to be like, what the fuck was Emily talking about? This is terrible. But just give it one hour. Okay, okay, I can do that. Okay, good. I want to hear about it. All right, just a few more. Um, one was a recommend from you. This was <gasps> The Bye-Bye Man.
3: Bye-bye. Okay, bye okay. Bye talk bye man. to me about this Bye-Bye
2: Man. Okay, so this one I got on disc from Netflix. Um, nice. And, uh, you know, I watched it with Brandon. <laughs> he did not care for it. Yeah. Um, Checks out. <laughs> This was a movie that, as I'm watching, I'm like, I thought it started off very strong. I thought it did a good job of, again, we're talking about teenage protagonists of making them like, like especially the main kid, like they did a lot of little things to make him into a really likable, nice kid. Yes, like you know, his his parents died, his brothers taking care of him. He goes to school. He's really nice to his girlfriend. He seems to really want like a good life. He's good with his niece, and I'm into it. And I thought some of the early staging of scares i thought were pretty good when they do kind of cool babadook stuff like stuff with coats i'm like okay i'm into this and it was kind of like at a certain point it just felt like they just gave up on any kind of screenplay whatsoever like it just (laughs) got to a point where everybody Um, got really dumb and everything was dumb and nobody was talking to each other and time was moving but i didn't know what time was moving And nobody would just say things, so then stupid things happened. And it it felt, it it kind of felt like a studio film that had a good script to start and maybe even had a good first cut, but that somehow got like, oh, just take this part out. Oh, just pull that out. Oh, we don't need this. I'll put this back in. Wait, this doesn't make sense. Oh, whatever. Teenagers don't care.
3: I, I can see that. I I think again and I've said it a million times I think it is really an expectation thing. Sure. I thought this was going to be unwatchable. Yes. And then you're right like there is there's character development at the opening mm-hmm. and there that one of the first gags where um with the with the little closets in the bedroom? Yeah. I thought like I was so fucking terrifying. Yeah, I'm like this is good. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. This is good. I was so scared by that. Yeah. I think I bought in so hard that I just was, I was all in for it's the it. rest of it. And then the little girl, there's like a thing with the little girl yeah, and, you're really and I was like yelling at the yeah. TV at the end. Like, like don't let her. Don't say it. Don't, don't no, say it. Don't, think please, it. No. don't say it. Don't think it. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, it, there was some cliche weird stuff going on where maybe it did feel like too many cooks were in the kitchen, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I gave it a chance. I'm, I think it was a
2: female director too, but I forgot her name.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if I remembered that, but did you, so you didn't hate it though, right? Oh, no,
2: by no means.
3: I mean, this was not my soul to take. <laughs> Although
2: I don't hate my soul to take because it's so bad that it's amazing. Um, this, but this, I'm trying to think of a good comparison of this. Like it felt like it definitely got way too hard a to rap. I don't. I mean, people, I guess it's easy to make fun of because it has a stupid title. Mm-hmm. But again, like the way the horror community talked about this movie, I was expecting something hilarious and terrible. And it's not I, like and that's kind of the frustrating thing is that I feel like it did have potential there. But at some point, everything to me just kind of fell apart. And I thought that was a shame because yeah. I did I. That first like 20, 20 minutes half hour I was like, yeah, I think we got something here. And then I was like, "Ugh, it's like challenging me to get angry with it."
3: Yeah, you know. Uh, it yeah. was it was a woman, you're right. I do I just looked at it and I think I acknowledged that when we first started watching it. I got excited. Mhm. Yeah. Um, I think I really there's there's it's way better than I thought because a lot of people did take a big shit on it. Yep. Like, yeah. And, not and not I I worth think, that.
2: Should never. Have I don't been on think anybody's it was worst like that of the year by
3: no means. No, it was competently made, maybe jumbled at the end, but like still tense. And the, the they did. I feel like something interesting was done in spite of the stupidity of that name. <laughs> the Bye Bye Man. Come man. on. Yeah. And then there's,
2: and <laughs> Faye Dunaway shows up at one point. Ah! That was crazy.
3: Yeah. So, oh man, I want to watch it again right now. Just just <laughs> kidding. It was too scary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just a few more on my end. Um, the A movie
2: that I've, that shame on me for never having seen because it stars my girl. And that is The Manchurian Candidate, the original film with Angie Lansbury. I almost watched that this week. Because uh, it was, they were doing a whole TCM Angela Lansbury thing.
3: Oh, maybe that's, why well, I have no idea. It just like came onto my radar and I was like, we should watch both of them. <laughs> you know, I, what's funny is I've
2: seen the remake. I saw that a couple like around <laughs> when it came out, and I just never gotten around to this one. Uh, it's it's good. It's what's interesting actually. We talk about a jumbled script. This movie kind of makes no sense when you really boil down to decisions characters make. Mm-hmm. Like the actual, um, what do you want to call it? Like scheme of. Okay, I am going to brainwash my son because I am so angry at the system that made me brainwash him so he's going to get into power and then take down all the people that made me brainwash like it it really has a lot of logic problems but it's also really well filmed really well acted Angela Lansbury is fantastic obviously uh so if you've never seen it you certainly should
3: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's it's on the short list I, I just have a craving to watch it should, yeah. I watched the remake I don't remember a lot of it So I'd like to watch them both again Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to revisit the remake Alright, just two
2: more One, this was a recommend from dear friend of the show Jeff And this was Cat in the Cage mm-hmm. <laughs> This movie's amazing uh, It's <laughs> terrible It's um, sometime in the 80s uh, There's a guy who's uh. Father has remarried the nurse who probably killed his mother, and so he comes home and there's a cat, and the cat might be psychic or might not be, and there might be um, a killer or there might be an evil twin brother who's been hidden for the first. This movie is just insane, and I I can't even. Describe it it's been a few weeks since I watched it So the plot is muddled in my head But I think I'm actually summarizing it More cleanly than the movie does (laughs) Oh no so that's not A great No um, it's it's terrible it's terrible and wonderful And I highly recommend everybody stop everything That they're doing and watch it Uh, And then the last thing I watched This is on Amazon Prime and it's a good um, Lead in if you Will to our discussion Uh, This was Birth of the Living Dead the documentary where it's all about the um, all about Night of the Living Dead, and it's interviews with Romero and some other key players.
3: Have you watched this? No. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard of it either.
2: Yeah, it showed up on Amazon Prime. Um, people, I, th- I feel like I saw other people start watch. It might have shown up like right before George Romero passed away, um, so it's a little bittersweet to watch it now. But it is a documentary. What's interesting is it's, it's all mostly about Night of the Living Dead. Um, so it's really focusing on how that was made, why that was made, what effect it had. Uh, a lot of stuff I already knew just from, you know, being 35 and spending mm-hmm. all 35 of those years watching Night of the Living Dead in some form. But there, there were some things I had not known and some interesting uh, things and the... Like, they get some good interview subjects. They have different critics and writers talking. So it's just a fun, nerdy Night of Living Dead 90-minute uh, book read oh, of a movie. What I
3: was going to ask how long it was. Yeah, it's
2: short. I think it's even under 90. Uh, worth, worth a watch on Amazon Prime one of these days.
3: That sounds good. Yeah,
2: and that was all that I've watched. So, you want to take a break? And I feel like we need to say, we need to, let's do Land of the Dead first. Oh, okay. I know it came out after the stand, but I worry that we're gonna talk about the stand until the wee hours of the morning. I know, so why don't we get the presumably shorter conversation done first? It's out of the way. Uh, all right, so we will be right back,
0: so Jaden, huh look, it's only a couple more records left on the album man, like what you think I should put on now? Wow,, wow what? Really? Nah, come on, man. People uh, people heard that. I mean, I, I got some hot records. I got the rain. I got, uh. What should I do next?
1: Wow, wow, what? All
0: right, look. <laughs> y- you know what? Look, I'm going to just go on. I'm going to pick my uh, own. I'm going to put something else on. Uh, <sighs> all, right, all right, man. Fine. Wow, wow. Uh. Wicky, wow, wow. Wicky, wicky, wow. Wicky, wicky, wow, wow. Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider, no you don't want nada, none of this, six gunning this, brother running this, Buffalo, soldier, look it's like I told ya, any damsel that's in distress, be out of that dress when she meet Jim West, Roughneck, so go check the law on the vibe watch your step we'll flex and get a hold in your side, swallow your pride, don't let your lip react, you don't wanna see my hand where my hip be at, with Artemis from the start of this, running the game, James West, Taming the West, so remember the name, now who you gonna call, GB, now who you gonna call, J- if you ever riff with people wanna bus, break out Before you get bum-rushed at the wild, wild West When I roll and do the, the wild, wild West When I stroll and do the, the wild, wild West When I bounce and do the, the Wild wa West, west. Cisco, Cisco.
2: 2005, George Romero had not directed a zombie film since 1989, and in 2005, he came back with Land of the Dead. Christine? Yes? Please tell the people at home, or on their commute, or wherever they may be, in their dungeons, whatever, we don't judge, um, what is this movie about?
3: Well, um, Land of the Dead is, in my opinion, the natural progression of uh, Romero's zombie movies. Mm-hmm, I agree. Um... We are launched into the future, I guess, which would be the present day. But a lot has happened. Um, and it's pretty much just like, oh, okay, well, there are zombies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes there's these little pockets of people, um, which it's slowly revealed throughout the film that those pockets may or may not be disappearing kind of quick. So this centers on some, some folk that are going out and stealing some stuff from... Not even stealing, just going and getting stuff. I and mean, it's there.
2: Nobody's I mean, using it's, it. No one's
3: using it. So going and getting stuff in, like, highly zombified areas and bringing it back to um, Fiddler's Green, I believe is what mm-hmm. it's called. Correct. Um, which is a big-ass building filled with rich people and surrounded by super-duper poor people. mm mm-hmm. um, Hilarity ensues. Um, (laughs) The the thing that you expect to happen happens, (laughs) and I'm about to make some really bold claims.
2: Ooh. Okay. Oh my My god.
3: My favorite. My favorite Romero movie. Done. Wow. Wow. It is easily my. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is is a GD classic. It's amazing. It's the progenitor. Yep. I mean, I love it so much. I I have seen it recently. I like this movie so much. <laughs> um I would I would accept the argument without
2: question that this is probably certainly his of his zombie films, maybe of all of his films, um this is his uh what's the word I'm looking for? objectively best movie. Okay. This is that's his best fair. acted movie. I mean again, this is one oh. of the rare times he is working with like a real cast of
3: actors. real
2: Z's cast, yep. Uh yep. it is I mean, some of the CGI is rough because it's 2017 and this was 2005. There's
3: some bad CGI
2: blood. Yep. Um, But, and I I think if I have one big nitpick, I feel like some of the dialogue is way more on the nose than it has to be. Um, Hmm. However, I say this watching it in a world where we have had a whole lot of zombie stuff since. And... Very and more heavy handed, obvious zombie stuff referencing real life and playing on things like that.
3: Can we address that for a minute? I didn't even think of that. So I, I watched this movie many moons ago, probably close to when it came out. Um, I had lukewarm feelings about it. I think I watched it again and was like, that was okay. I watched it. Almost exactly a year ago, because I checked my Twitter mm-hmm. and I just about lost my mind <laughs> because it, I, I thought it was so good. yeah, and then rewatching it again, I watched it last night, actually. I was I had the same reaction, so it's still there. Mm-hmm. But you make a tremendous point that I didn't even think of. This is I watched it last year we had already had our walking deads and our fear Mm -hmm. of walking deads everybody's dead all the time (laughs) um and like super like not veiled allegory for you know class and politics Mm -hmm. and race like we had gotten it all but there's something about this that still feels fresh to me yeah uh it's
2: this, I saw when this came out in the theater, and I was so excited to see this in the theater because it was the yeah. first time I got to see a Romero zombie film in the theater. Um, <laughs> and I even remember the theater I saw it in because it was when I was living in Washington Heights, and there was a theater that has since closed that is was the saddest excuse for a movie theater you have ever been in. Um, it was a really old building, and it was the kind of movie theater where, like, I guess it was supposed to be one big, big arena. Yeah, but they broke it into two screens. So as a result, but they didn't quite extend the, the wall all the way to the top. So no matter what movie you were watching, if there was a quiet moment, you would hear the movie next to you. Oh, And yeah. I don't remember what that movie was when I saw this, but I remember a couple of years ago going to see the Fright Night remake. And I also saw half of Spy Kids 4 when I saw that because oh. I could hear everything. That's awful. It it was a little bit, Um, but I was so excited to see a Romero zombie film in the theater, and I remember walking away feeling. um, I remember my initial thoughts very clearly, just because this was this was a big emotional thing for me. Dawn Mm -hmm. of the Dead is my favorite film of all time. I forgot to mention I did rewatch Dawn of the Dead last week or two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Still love it. Uh, Would never argue it is the greatest movie of all time or the greatest. You also
3: really like Day too.
2: No, well no. I You're have am fascinated by it. No, I have Here's the thing with Day. I think I have evolved on Day. I think I like Day more than I used to. Mhm. And I and I, I will know say I have
3: complex feelings about it. I've because always, I have complex feelings.
2: Hands I've heard down. you talk about it more than once. You have. I know I've, I've said much. <laughs> I've written much about it. Day has the best zombies of any like oh, probably of any zombie film anyway ever. I love the look of the zombies. And the, the level of decay and the personality. There's a ballerina zombie in Day of the Dead who is my favorite zombie of all time. Um, and I like the idea of Day. I like a lot of things going on there. But I hate a movie where everybody just shouts at each other the entire time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I kind of feel like that's what I get with Day. And I think you can look at it and, and justify it, certainly. And again, you're looking at and I think day has actually is a movie that gets better with time because you watch it now and you start to see kind of some of the things he's doing that I, I don't think, I, I think you think of maybe now more of the idea of the difference between, let's say a warlord society and a civilian society. And you kind mm-hmm. of have that clashing in that movie. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, I'm not, I'm not in love with the execution of it. I I find the characters all really grating and that really hurts my overall feelings on day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've this, this, I think I wrote about in Paris cinema. I think uh, Romero has always, has always felt bad about how he handled women in his early zombie films and his early horror films in general. And I think he's constantly been trying to make up for it by having really strong female characters but I think, to an extent, sometimes I feel like he just goes too far, and they're just obnoxious. Uh, survival yeah. of the Dead is where that's—it's really just obnoxious. But oh, with, survival, no, it's—it's it's ridiculous no. in survival. It's, I'm a lesbian. I'm—I'm. So I'm, that means I'm better than every man and woman every anywhere. Anyway, um, so you know, again, <laughs> just. I have a lot of thoughts about Romero and zombies and all of that because again my favorite movie of all time is Dawn of the Dead Um, but that being said I feel like this is a I love the progression of his films up to this one again I don't want to talk about Survival of the Dead Um,
3: or Diary no Diary Diary, we don't count I thought we don't count Diary I count Diary isn't there a character from Diary in Survival I mean if you want to whatever why do you have to do that so so look at when i think that i don't i don't like dawn of the dead very much Mm -hmm. i just i just don't maybe if i rewatched it i'd have a different feeling but i do feel like that movie was was ahead of its time i don't maybe day i don't really like day either maybe if i watched day i would feel the same way i feel like land of the dead is Definitely ahead of its time. I agree. I it was doing shit in two thousand five yep. that if it had just been able to hold on for like eight more years, our minds would have fucking been blown, I think. I, I agree. I I wonder if survival will have that will age like that, and we'll watch it and be like, oh my god. It you know, it
2: would be fascinating. And I I would never say it won't be. Because it, I think every one of Romero's films has gotten better with age. For a lot of different reasons. I I think he, whether, how much of it was intentional and how much of it is instinct and how much of it is accidental. Mm -hmm. And you can look at a prime example being casting a black man as Ben in Night of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. Now, the, you know, what he will always say, what he has mostly been quoted as saying was, look, he was the best actor for the job. We looked at a bunch of you know, he was an actor in our group and we knew he could do this and we didn't think anyone else could or would. And in some cases, I've heard him kind of say that and, and leave it at that as in, yeah, no, we had no idea this would happen. And in other cases say like, yeah, and we also kind of thought, oh, we're saying something with this. So I don't know whether Ben in Night of Living Dead was ever really what Romero's plan was with him. The The other, you know, again, talk about, where his kind of instincts seem to prove to be really, really on on the beat is that I believe the day they, and they mentioned this in the documentary, the day that they wrapped shooting on Night of Living Dead, the day that they put the canisters in the trunk of the car, they turn on the radio and find out Martin Luther King Jr. had been shot. Mm-hmm. Suddenly this movie takes on a whole different meaning. And... You know, with Dawn, I think he was a little more clear about, I'm talking about society, I'm talking about this. With Day, I think he might have been equally as um, deliberate, and it didn't hit then, but you watch it at different times, and it hits more. With Land, Land is 2005, and I remember... Okay, Land... Land. Okay. Land comes out in, I think, summer of 2005, Mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina hits in August of two thousand
3: and five. Mm-hmm. Now, was was George Romero a witch? <laughs> was he a vitch? But like, it's it's weird. Yeah, it's too. It's really it's strange yes. how.
2: Yeah, because when and again, it what's what's really how weird is this? We're talking about this. Um Much happy thoughts and good luck to everybody in Texas right now. Hopefully everything is fine. We don't know. Good luck. Um, Please be safe and do whatever you have to do to be safe. Um, But I feel like Hurricane Katrina was the start of, at least in my awareness and lifetime, was the start of it being really obvious of, oh my God, the difference between the 1% and the 99%. Yeah. That this kind of did put everything in context and in the spotlight of oh my god this a natural disaster that wiped out so much and economics has such a big part of that somehow and to me land of the dead is very much about that you have this essentially natural disaster that should really put everybody on an even playing ground of survival and yet even within that the world has found a way to Turn it into a capitalist game of, you know, the 1% and the 99%. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and it's not like this is the first time this story is being told, but I, I really think it is something that you look down and you're like,
3: whoa, George Romero's of a bitch. Yes. So it's so, it's not just that, that like really, it's on the nose without being on the nose, I guess maybe because it was, it predated a lot of our super yeah. awareness of it. And it I think afterwards, a out, lot of you know, it seemed
2: more on the nose. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It points out that disparity. Yep. Um, And it does it in a way that doesn't feel like it's being shoved down your throat, but it does almost, it, it feels re- a bit, for me, when I watched it last year, a bit relevatory. Like, oh, this is super relevant. Yeah. So. It couples that, though, with the progression of the zombies, which I am. I'm here for that. Give me that. So these <laughs> are my favorite zombies. And um, these are my in a sense. These are kind of my least.
2: I think the zombies are actually great. I think all the actors playing zombies. I like the look of them. I like. Big I like Daddy is my favorite. favorite. Big Daddy's great. I love the softball <laughs> zombie. Uh, yes. She's great. I love her. For me, and I mean, I, know, I remember saying my husband kept saying this. I'm like, no, I do agree. The, the more human zombies become, the less I'm into them in a way because the less zombie they are. And again, this well- is a pure personal preference of I'm a of the Dead person.
3: No, I get that, but I think, but that's that's the point. We we truly we truly are the monsters right. now. Yes. Like it 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 turned the corner, and I thought it was done really well. Mm-hmm. Like these m- motherfuckers, leave them alone. Like they were right. doing their own thing. You come and fuck with them. Oh my gosh, those scenes early in the movie where the they're getting all the zombies are getting shot at and Big Daddy is running and trying to help them, I got emotional. Like, it bothers me so much, because you have the breakdown of the classes. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I tend to view this film as, sure, within Fiddler's Green, there's, like, the 99 and the 1%, but then there's also the zombies. Oh, yeah, and they are the protagonists of
2: this movie, without
3: question. They are deliberately made viable, real characters. They're not just, like, oh, look, funny, like, you know, you can, I know, I, I know from zombies, but like, <laughs> like you, there are recognizable zombies from Dawn of the Dead, like the zombie that gets his head cut off by the helicopter. Everybody knows what that guy looks like. Um, but these zombies have real emotion to them, which I get could maybe turn some people off, but that's what makes it not be a typical zombie movie because also the gore is pretty low mm-hmm. and the the, the body count is really, really low. I it don't... is, and that always—I remember the first time
2: being very disappointed by that. but walking out of the theater, being like, "I feel like some of the prota-
3: more of the protagonists should have died." Yep. So, so many people. Anybody that was likable and did the right thing, yep. lived. Yeah. Which is like different. Um, it really made a lot of a lot of the main cast was dislikable and made bad choices like Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo and they they got what was coming to them. And then people that were trying to do the right thing or were good people didn't. And that was a really nice shift mm-hmm. because it felt, almost feels like I'm saying such bold things. I know people don't like this movie. <laughs> it feels like this movie has like a real strong moral compass, which it, I yeah, appreciate. Yeah,
2: Well, it's because I think again, the reason a lot of especially like diehard trilogy let's say fans Mm -hmm. kind of maybe feel a little bit more distance with it it is okay it it is a studio film granted it's still not a huge budget this isn't uh you know I don't know the Resident Evil series but it does the fact that you have Dennis Hopper in this movie and John Leguizamo in this movie and then coupled with that is the fact that the as you say the good characters spoiler alert kind of all live yeah does make you feel like I remember walking out that was my disappointment when I first saw this was I did feel like I kind of feel like I watched a very um mainstream movie from a filmmaker and a film series that's never been mainstream and I think that's still you watch it now and I still kind of see that in some ways but I think there is so much, like we're saying, within that when you realize the story he's telling and some of the things he's pointing out that, especially now in hindsight, when you look at it, you're like, yeah. okay, hey, if you had to do it, to, if you had to make use studio money and maybe make some sacrifices here and there, hey, you, you made the movie that, that's probably
3: as close to what you wanted Yep. Uh, that you could. That's a really good point. Yeah. And look, I get it. I think maybe the first time I watched it, I, my, I don't, I didn't pencil down my issues after I watched it the first time, but I probably felt it was a bit toothless. There was not, I, it wasn't mean, mm-hmm. but you know what? I'm really not in a place where I where I need that right now. Yeah, me too. So, spoiler, spoiler alert: um, lots of people die, great, but a lot of people don't, and it ends. And if you don't know how this ends, ignore me. Spoiler alert! But with with the zombies walking away yeah and i believe it's the mentalist that's what i call it him. is the
2: mentalist yes the
3: mentalist says like let them be they're just trying to find a place like yes leave everybody the fuck alone right, right. Like, that's exactly what i want from a movie right now i don't want you to blast them out of, out of the sky because they're fucking zombies yeah i don't want you to chase them down they're walking away from you let it fucking go mm-hmm Yeah, no. I think I
2: mean I think you and I have both talked about this, and I'm sure maybe not everybody out there agrees, but the world's in kind of a shitty place right now. Yep. And I, I mean, I know I have found this over the last year. I don't want even my grisliest of horror films. I don't want it to end with all my heroes dying. I -hmm. just don't. I don't want to end a movie and feel bad. It's I feel that enough about other things, and you know with Romero films really, you know, the first film has one of the bleakest endings of all time of any, of any movie. I mean, that is
1: Mm -hmm. one of the
2: best endings. It is. And again, it's one of those endings that, you know, was good enough when it was made. And then by the time it's released takes on a whole different meaning. Mm -hmm. Dawn of the dead was originally supposed to end with everybody dying, with every, with the remaining survivors committing suicide. Instead, it has a somewhat hopeful ending. Still not overly hopeful, but it's a hopeful ending. Day of the Dead ultimately has a very happy ending, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like he'd never done a happy ending or, a, a you know, ending in a positive place. I guess, I don't know, I... I It's not really a downside to the movie because I think, again, today I watch it and I'm glad it ends the way it does. But I know me 10 years ago didn't feel the same way or 12 years ago, I Mm -hmm. guess now. Um, But then there's like, to me, I think if I am looking over the four films, I think John Leguizamo's character is the, I won't even say the best performance. I mean, he's, he's very good. He's great. But I think that is the best character in all the Romero films.
3: Come on, hands down, yeah. so good. I understood that character yep. from front to back. Yep. I got why he was doing things. I got when I, I totally understood his motivation yep. the entire time. And that gets real muddy in movies like this because he's not a total bad guy. He's nope. you know he's
2: like you're introduced at first. You kind of think, oh god, this is going to be the token hot-headed.
3: Um, Greedy villain of the movie He's going to do dumb shit and get people killed He doesn't, he's
2: very smart Yes, people get killed because of him He makes decisions that are selfish That cause the death of other people Yep. But he is a smart guy He wants something, he's trying to get it He is not a monster He's, you know, he Doesn't, you know, blatantly Go around doing things to endanger people It's just he kind of has a priority And he's going after Mm -hmm. that Um, It's Like it's this really fully realized character and how much of that's on the script, how much of that is you have it on the script and then you have John Leguizamo playing it really well. Uh, And he also has like the best line, the movie that sums up everything in the movie that again, maybe is on the nose, but is also not because it's perfect because he says it with one meaning, but it is beautiful, which is spoiler alert again. We've already told you the ending. So you already know what happens, which is he's bit by a zombie. And his friend says, you know, basically, do you want, you know, is about to shoot him. And John Leguizamo says, no, 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 don't worry. I always wanted to know how the other half lives. Yep. Love it. What a beautiful line.
3: it's really good! Yeah. I mean, I get it, it's on the nose, but that character, his his arc is really, he fooled himself into thinking that yep. he could actually be one of them and live yep. in the tower, and that's so fucking heartbreaking to yeah. realize, oh, oh, he never had any intention never of letting chance. you do yeah. that. Like, you were never gonna be that. You're always gonna be trash out on the street with the rest of these other miserable poor people, mm-hmm. um, and it was really... He his character is very empathetic. Yep. I think. Yeah, for all his jerkiness, and I think uh, something that I um. I really enjoyed in this movie is the the complacency. Everyone's just kind of over it. Yep, and like like that's that's when people get killed. These zombies aren't. I mean, I, towards the end they use a gun, but like. Other than that, leading up to it, they're not doing any fucking crazy spin moves or tricking you. Mm-hmm. People are just like, I'm just going to sit here or I'm not going to look around this
2: store well Right, enough. I don't
3: need to learn how to protect myself. I don't need
2: to learn that, oh, when somebody dies, like my husband hangs himself, he's going to come back yeah. as a zombie. I never learned that because I never had to.
3: It's just there's this level of like, like, ugh, like that, that I appreciated. Like there was no, like oh my gosh, I got cornered by this zombie swarm. No, like a zombie was in this store and I didn't check the store first and it bit me.
1: Yeah,
3: Like, duh, check the store. Because in other movies, they would check the the stores. Of course, but this is not that movie. Like this movie is very, like it's almost like they fooled themselves into thinking that they were, uh, it's exactly what it is. They fooled themselves into thinking they were safe. So nobody took any precautions because they thought they could shoot a few fireworks in the air. Oh boy, this movie is about complacency. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean cuz it it is a line that Dennis Hopper's character says which is at one point he says, "Oh, as long as we keep the people distracted, um what is it? He basically just say like he says that. He's like, "Yeah, we just keep them distracted and we're fine." And yeah, like, this definitely... movie is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and and also like how this is like probably the most subdued Dennis Hopper performance you've ever oh, seen. So, but he's so dislikable and creepy. And it's really interesting, I think, because and I don't know if Dennis Hopper and George Romero were like I don't I don't know much about how everybody came to be in this movie. Um I'm like I wouldn't be surprised like, John Leguizamo probably grew up watching these movies and when like he got the offer was like, "Yeah, I've always wanted to be in a zombie movie." I think with Dennis Hopper, I wonder even if him and Romero were friends, just because I feel mm-hmm. like they probably ran into a lot of the same circles in the 60s and 70s of all this, and even if they weren't, I think when you put them together, you have two men of the same generation from, as far as I know, a lot of the same pretty liberal ideas in history, mm-hmm. and then and then Dennis Hopper gets to play Donald Rumsfeld, Yeah, and he plays it so carefully and deliberately and he never raises his voice really that much and it's such a tight performance that's real like when you put it in the context of Dennis Hopper it's really impressive yeah although his character has
3: terrible aim it's (laughs) that's true it's really effective too like he's he's not like this mustache twirling villain yeah but he's just the absolute worst yeah it's like it's, that. It's
2: about... um, I, I, I'm trying to think. Like, no, this came out a few years before, but like the, the so when people talk about the movie The Devil Wears Prada and why like <laughs> it's so memorable, the part of it is because Meryl Streep never raises her voice. Like she finds power in the whisper, and she talks like this, and it is terrifying. And that's what Dennis Hopper does in this movie. Talk about being ahead of its time. Meryl Streep was taking fucking lessons from Land of the Dead. Who knew? Yep. Who, Who knew? knew? Um, the uh, there There's some cute cameos and such in here. Yes. Uh, we, Tom Savini shows up as a zombie. If you want to call that a cute cameo. <laughs> I mean, we, we all know Tom Savini is
3: an asshole. Um, it's industry <sighs> knowledge wide and far. It is. It is. Oops, I'm trying to get the cast list up for this, and my phone accidentally went. Hey, I'm gonna make a noise. <laughs> hey, don't call Savini an asshole. I like him. Yeah, oh, phone. Nice up. We need to reevaluate our choices.
2: <laughs> uh, but it's pretty cool to see him come back as that same character, as if he was a zombie, and like.
3: Yeah, no. I mean, it's 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 good.
2: Uh, did you do you know who? So at the one point early on, when there's sort of like the zombie arcade type thing, and there's the two zombies that are chained to a wall, and people are taking pictures with them.
3: Uh-huh. Do you know oh, who those zombies Oh, at one point, were? I did know. I did know. Hold on. Okay. What's another zombie movie that is came out? So, is it Simon Pegg? It's Simon Nick Pegg Cross? and Edgar
2: Wright. Yeah. I think oh, it's Edgar right. Wright, actually.
3: Okay, no, you're probably right. I completely forgot, but I knew I had read that somewhere. Yeah. So that's cool. That um, is cool. The...
2: I don't we thing.
3: So we So somebody we haven't
2: talked about that I feel like is important to talk about in this movie is we talked about female characters, uh, we get a few in this actually, yes, and they're they're all pretty badass and interesting in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Our main one is are we going to talk about Asia
3: Argento oh, now? We're going to talk about Asia Argento. <coughs> well, what are your thoughts?
2: Isn't like she, she's so adorable?
3: So she's delightful and adorable, and I love her, and I always have. I. I, this is maybe the first viewing Where I had a really strong reaction to her character So her character is A sex worker who they literally Throw in a pen to be eaten by zombies yep. So you know That's the world we're in Pretty pretty similar <laughs> to the one we live in now Um, She clearly There's an allusion to to the fact that that's not that wasn't her choice that that was. Well, what she was says at one
2: point I her. wanted to join the army, like basically the army, yeah. whatever the army is in this world. But somebody decided I'd be a better hooker, or Kaufman decided and, I'd be a better hooker.
3: And then, full stop. Never discussed again. No, nope. done. Completely yeah. done. She is not put in needless peril. Nope. She is not dressed oddly. Nope. She even when she's wearing her her like little pleather outfit with the fishnets, not um, filmed in an objective way. Nope. nope. She is cute mm-hmm. and funny and sweet, and she pulls faces in half of these scenes. Like, she'll just like kind of make a face in reaction to somebody. 100% perfect. Yeah. And I
2: really perfect. like what they do with, clearly, at some point in the near future, her and Mentalist are going to bang. Right? Yeah. But it's not, like, a thing in the movie. It's not. It's just purely there as, like, okay, I'm now in your group and i'm part of your group and that's fine and like it's one of those cases where i think as a viewer you get 10 like you're like ooh, they'd, they'd make pretty attractive babies but the movie never does anything because eh. there's no time for it so there's no there's, need it's for not it. the
3: time or the place no. because like emily really enjoys this is a single night this is yep. all happening yep. out, so we don't have time and if they had fucking shoehorned in a relationship wouldn't have made any it sense. would have made no sense nope. yeah but it like, leaves you with this like, oh, but at least the future is going to have some pretty hot mentalist babies. So, but she just perfect. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was a combination of the writing, the direction, and the acting. Maybe it was a lot her. I don't know. Yeah. Because she's really sweet and cute and triple X as well. So, yeah, I haven't, I don't know. honestly I haven't seen her
2: in many films when I think about it. I don't know. This might be the only one. I'm not sure. I'd have to go through and look at her filmography. Uh and, I mean, George Romero, pr- I mean, I don't know, obviously, George Romero and Dario Argento knew each other pretty well. Maybe they still do. Or, well, not anymore, because one of them's dead. But I don't know if George Romero knew her as a little girl. Like, if it was, mm-hmm. you know, him essentially directing somebody that he, like, you know, that that kind of relationship, if that, whether that feeds into it at all, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it just works. And I, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um.
3: So I enjoyed her quite a bit. Like, she was great. Um, so, was there another lady that you were going to well, talk? Well, the
2: other—it's kind of a batch of characters, actually. Because the one—the one thing that I think, again, this is all in all a—this sh- is what, like, an hour fifty, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's a little shorter than Dawn. It's I think shorter than Day. Um, and something that I think it's fine because I think it's paced well, but at the same time, because I think it has a fairly large cast for what it is I'm left very confused by the dead reckoning crew I'm very unclear of their motivations throughout the film they're kind of John Leguizamo's crew in the beginning so it's Mm -hmm. the blonde with the pigtails yeah um there's and then there's like two guys I think Mm -hmm. and it's just very unclear to me where their allegiance is because, yeah. you know, and so that's one of those things That just kind of irks me Because I could never quite get a handle on it And I think it's just that there's not enough time In the movie to ever explain Because sometimes they seem sympathetic And say kind of like, whoa, we're not supposed to do this Or let's at least try to help people And at other times they're like, okay, I guess We're not helping people So that's the one place where I'm kind of like What? I, I don't know that I fully understand What's going on with them
3: mm, I can see that, I think so once I realized that Mentalist and John Leguizamo were basically on the same team, right? I was just like, "Oh, this is just a ragtag bunch of scavengers, and this this is this is just what they do in this new society." Um, and those two characters are, are an interesting juxtaposition because they both want to get out. Yes, in different but for ways, different, but yeah, for different, yeah. So and then, so John Leguizamo takes them to go do something bad. And I don't think they fully realize How mm-hmm. bad it's being And then when, when Mentalist shows back up And Then Leguizamo leaves He takes some of them with him And I think that's when they make the clear definition Of like okay well we're going back To help these people right. So that dude stays and Pigtail stays I think it's ambiguous And like kind of grey But mm-hmm. I wonder if that's supposed to be on purpose Possible Possibly. I don't know, either way, but I get what you're saying. I just don't think they had much of a modus modem oper, modus operandi or whatever from the beginning. They were just going out and getting stuff. True, true. Yeah, I, I don't know. That. I, it was... I think that they don't do enough with those people, mm-hmm. too, though. And but... I think Dead Reckoning itself,
2: I think, was originally a bit... Because from what I understand, because years ago I read... When Romero made Day of the Dead, originally it was gonna be a much bigger thing. He it was mm-hmm. gonna be an epic. Um, it was gonna be it needed a lot of money to be made, but it was like much big it was kind of Day of the Dead, but with a lot more to it. Yeah. And I think a lot of and I think what happened from my understanding is basically the studio wouldn't let him wouldn't give him that money if he was gonna if he was gonna make it without a rating. Uh, so they said deliver us an R-rated movie And he said I don't want to And they said okay we'll give you A third of the money we were going to give you So you can make your movie And do however you want So that's, that's what happened with Day of the Dead I think some of the elements Ended up and, and the script is interesting If you can ever find it, find it I read it years ago And mm-hmm. I used to enjoy doing this kind of thing um, But the So some of the elements I think carried over And I think at one point I remember reading interviews with Romero in, like, 2000, and he was talking about, you know, one day I'm going to make a zombie film again. And I have an idea, and it's called Dead Reckoning. So I think the idea of a, like, armored military tank uh, in a zombie apocalypse was was, um, the movie he wanted to make at one point. Yeah. And it does feel like it's a bigger part of this movie than it needs to be. Uh, that, it, it is. you know I what can, I mean? That's, that's, yeah, that's true. And it doesn't, I think I wouldn't have noticed it had I not had, like, immediately said Dead Re- Dead Reckoning. I remember that. He's, that was a movie Romero talked about making. So I just think it was a, a couple of, I guess, different pieces of other things he'd worked on. And why I think he had, like, Dead Reckoning itself, I think he had a lot of affection for and was really excited about. And I don't think it ultimately is as important to the movie as maybe it it, it was for him. I don't think it hurts mm-hmm. the movie. And again, I'm overthinking it because it was in my mind. But
3: No, that's a good point. I mean, they could have done everything the same without making that be such a big thing. Right. It could have been, instead of Leguizamo taking Dead Reckoning, he could have kidnapped you know Kaufman's daughter
2: let's say you know like it's yeah. It it's just seems like a very specific device in this movie and again I think it just has to do with you know Romero makes Day of the Dead in 89 it does not get the same critical or even financial uh excitement that Dawn of the Dead had he spends the 90s Making some, th- some things, certainly, but also making a lot of failed starts of things. He's supposed mm-hmm. to direct the Resident Evil movie. He falls off that project. He was supposed to make The Stand at one point as a film. That doesn't happen. And I bet there's probably like at least a dozen projects yeah. that probably would have been so exciting that between 1990 and 2005, people were, were not giving Romero money to make. So this is the movie that he gets to make. And I, you know, and, and I just think it's interesting that there's parts that I, that me knowing so much about him and because having read so much of of every interview I could find at this time in my life when I'm, you know, 20 and so on and still really excited about the idea that he's going to eventually make a zombie movie. Um, how, you know, I guess I watch it a little differently because I'm so obsessive about that. Mm
1: hmm.
2: Um yeah, another fun fact. Um this was not the first film that John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper made together. What was? I can't oh, think. Oh, yes you can. <laughs> I just really like that um well, what is this that? This was their reteam effort after Super Mario Brothers.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> I just find I, that yeah. very exciting when I think about that. Man, when John Leguizamo's good, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean when he's
2: it, when he's insufferable, he's really insufferable.
3: Do you get those commercials sure. with him for ca- some cable network? No.
2: Okay, it's some cable service. I'm, I guess. I'm
3: honestly basing my opinion on the Spawn movie. Oh, he's great in Spawn. He's obnoxious in Spawn, but he's so good. Yeah, I guess that. so. I my big problem with Spawn is is that he was a little one note, and they put that entire movie on his back. Okay, fair. Fair. And, and we're like just do it it's fine John Leguizamo's here to do the heavy <laughs> lifting didn't you see and his everything. work in Super Mario Brothers he's great Like what? Yeah. Um, that movie we should cover that movie we should cover uh, that movie I have one more thing I want to talk about and then I, I promise I'm done um <laughs> so Robert Joy is in this movie yes he is um fantastic He's, great the, the, ma- he's just adorable. the main thing that I know him from is the Hills of Eyes yep. remake. The, 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 um, was but, that the same year? He had like, a little period where he it, was always playing
2: characters with deformities.
3: Yeah. Um, um, he's in a lot of stuff, though. Like, he's, yes, he I shows think, up a lot. Um, IMDb says he has 135 credits. Um, he's just really good and really likable and, and a mm-hmm. lot more funny than I remember. Like He's got some good lines and he delivers them really well. I agree. Um, which is great. He's just really great. Also, Big Daddy is my favorite. And every time I see Eugene Clark in something, I scream, "It's Big Daddy!" Big Daddy! He was in. He was in the um. Uh, what movie was it? Um, stir of Echoes, um, two. <laughs> he shows up in Stir of Echoes Does he play two. He plays echo. Two. He plays a stir. Actually, oh. no. He's he's like a military guy, but he's like in the background of a scene, and I almost flipped a table over. I was so excited <laughs> to see him.
2: Nice. Nice.
3: I love Big Daddy. He's my favorite zombie. But then there is another zombie in here. Um, what do they call him? They might call him Butcher. Oh yes. So he is in the in the in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yep, he is the He's guy stucker. in the trucker hat. Yep, yeah. um, which is great. I just like that. I do It's too. nice. It's because I I like him. And sometimes I'll see him in things and I'll go, I know what he looks like as a zombie. Oh, <laughs> Land of the Dead. <laughs> you know, I never thought about that. But that's like one of those things when you start thinking like of
2: people and you're like, I wonder what you look like when you were a baby. I wonder what you look like when you're old. I wonder what you look like as a zombie. And now a with zombie. a lot of these actors, we know.
3: Do you know how many times that's how I recognize people? I go, <laughs> that person's really familiar. Oh, wait, I can picture him as a wait, zombie. And a then that guy Got it. Yeah. Interesting. That narrows it down to, like, five things that I can realistically <laughs> pick from. Um, but that's it. I love the cast, and these are fantastic zombies, and Big Daddy is the best, and I love mm-hmm. everything about it, and that's all I have to say. I'll shut up.
2: I like the tuba zombie, too, because, I mean...
3: Oh, <gasps> tuba zombie! Yeah. Oh, and the zombie with the... Um... It's it's I know it's later for you, but it's late for me too. I'm um, the tambourine. The tambourine. I love that there's a band. I mean, there's a There's a zombie band. The zombie band. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I don't know. I get people don't like learning zombies. They don't like human-y zombies. They don't like all that shit. Yep. You know what? Movie's not for you. Well,
2: it's it's like what I say about werewolves for me. Like, I'm not scared of them. I just find there's something that doesn't connect. But I understand there's a lot you can do with them and say with them. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like the like a, a sentient zombie is kind of like that. I'm going to be less scared of a zombie as soon as it starts doing more human things. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean a filmmaker should not do that. Because in in this case, it's the logical progression, especially from day when you have, have bub. It makes sense that this is, okay, well, now this is sometime in the future, and zombies have been zombies for so long that we got to go somewhere. This is where we're going with them. It makes sense. Yeah. It just makes it less scary for me, is all. Well. Yeah,
3: I'm okay with that. This, I don't think this is a scary movie. No,
2: no, I would agree. I would very much agree with that. All right, so why don't we rate Land of the Dead?
3: Ten and ten.
2: <laughs> are those <laughs> are your ratings?
3: <laughs> well, I can be, I can, let me be a serious human. Right. <laughs> Quality of
2: film... I'll go a solid eight.
3: I'm going to go 8.5. Okay.
2: Quality. I look at how
3: restrained I'm being. (laughs)
2: Let it out. Quality (laughs) of life. Christine go. 9.5. Oh, you could say 10. It's okay.
3: I don't know. 10. I guess. Yeah. If, if this had been the first time I had watched it and had this reaction, I would say lower, but since now twice a year apart and I still like this this much, I think it's, it's, it's a good one. I hear you. I'm going to go quality
2: of life. Um, I'm going to also go eight. I probably at one point might have been a little lower, but I think again in 2017, I think this movie is very relevant and entertaining throughout. So yay! we're going to take a break, Christine. Yes. And when we come back, do you have a yes. liquor near you?
3: Do you have do- something that you can drink? Cause we're going to yeah. play the stand drinking game. Oh no, I'll drink water. Okay. Okay. If you must. we'll be back (laughs)
2: 1994 was a pretty good year. Uh, I mean, not for Major League Baseball, because that was the year of the strike, and probably not for some other things, but it was the year that ABC aired a four-part miniseries of Stephen King's The Stand. The Stand. Now, I watched it in 1994. Um, mm-hmm. I believe we we recorded it on VHS, where we, like, we even paused it during the commercials. Smart. Yeah, but even, like, that was a problem, because there's one actual, like, the one really good stylish thing that Mick Garris does in this entire movie. It's uh, the there, one thing. The one thing. There's a part where there is, it, it's a commercial for cold medication, but it's actually part of the movie. Yes! And I and I remember, like, not realizing that I paused over that, and I was always mad at myself for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I watched it. Um, I, I had much excitement about it because I love plague stuff, even when I was 12. And then mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, I read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I have since seen it in bits and parts. It, it's aired occasionally on the Sci Fi channel and elsewhere. Uh, I decided after I rewatched it, I also decided to reread the book. So I have yes. a lot of fresh memories in my head. Um, And then I just want to say one other thing about the time period between 1994 and this time. It dawned on me that in the time since I read this book and then reread it, a child could have been born, grown up, gone to college and graduated. Yeah. It was 23 years ago that I first watched and read this. We're very old people now. I know. It's weird. It's very weird. (laughs) So now you, my dear, do not have any history with the sand. Am I right? I have none. I have never seen so it. Exciting. I knew very little about it, <laughs> okay. and I didn't read the book. Okay, so um, let's start with a synopsis provided by Oh, you. really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm just gonna say it right off the bat, people we're we have so much to say about this that we are going to spoil everything. I mean, I'm I know that I can't not talk about the hand of God. <laughs>
1: Oh, and boy, I mean that oh, as
2: literally as you can possibly imagine. There is a hand of God in this movie. Um, so we are going to spoil things. If you have never seen The Sand and really want to watch it fresh, um, go to your library and get it. That's what I did. Uh, but do not oh, be angry oh, at Zach us. Oh, Zach owned it. Did he?
3: On VHS? Zach has the DVD. Oh, that's exciting. Now he has the DVD. I'm like, why do you even have this? He's like, you knew who you married. <laughs> like, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um... So yeah, it's available. Like I think you can probably. Um... It's not streaming anywhere that I could find oh, right now. Oh, is, it which not? is okay. But it has
2: in the past, so it might again. Um, okay. It's also on a lot of those like three packs. Like you can get for like five bucks, you can get this and the Tommy knockers. I think. So Come
3: on, really? Exactly, Do it. people. What are you Buy doing with your money? Find me a copy while you're there. Please, um, Christine.
2: What is the stand about?
3: Uh, so there's like a super flu, and it. Kills off. Zach said it was ninety nine percent of the people. I don't think it ever said that. In they the don't movie. in the
2: book. I think they specify that it's like ninety nine point four percent of humanity.
3: Ugh. I had a live commentary running while I was uh, <laughs> watching this. But so it kills off a lot of the people. It doesn't kill off some people. You know, like Rob Lowe and Gary Sinise <laughs> and Molly Ringwald. There's plenty of people that it doesn't kill. Um, and they all start having dreams. Um, and some of them dream about this nice lady whose name I can't think of, Mother, Mother
2: Abigail, she's
3: hundred years old, and
2: she still bakes her own bread.
3: Um, Or they dream of the devil, you know, that guy from Law and Randall Order. Flag. He's not the devil, never mind, his name's Randall Flagg, he's not the devil. Forget I said that, because if you think that he is, you'll get really confused.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, he's not, oh god, there's so much about the logic of this that really is very confusing.
3: He's not the devil. But also that lady from Just Shoot Me is not it. But so they all either go find they go to Las Vegas where Randall Flagg is gathering people or they go to somewhere and then Colorado. Nebraska or, and then Colorado. Yeah. And then where mother. I retained a lot of this where Mother Abigail wants them to gather. So basically there's like a good and a bad faction, yep. I guess. Yep. But apparently in the book, they're not. Black and white, good and bad. And I guess in the movie, they're not black and white, good and bad either. In the book,
2: it's more about. I mean, there's like, it's not quite as blatant as in the book. It's like, I dreamt of this woman and she said God and I know she's good, so I'm going to go to her. And I'm a good yeah. person, so I dreamt of her. And you're a bad person, so you dreamt of Randall Flagg. In the book, it's basically the way they kind of say it is people dream of both. People do dream of, and it's kind of in some dreams. It, he is, I guess, scary, and in some dreams, he's more appealing. And mm-hmm. when it comes down to, it's not about being good or bad. It's about how weak or strong you are. So oh, the weak okay. go to Vegas and kind of want to just follow this man who's going to tell them what to do, whereas the stronger-willed and such go to Nebraska.
3: That's how I and took it in the book. Zach said something about it being, like, logic versus, like, creativity, too. That's a big part of it, too, because in the book um,
2: – Flag is basically trying, like, he's got engineers, he's got, and that's a big part, because one of the characters, and he's in the movie, it's um, Ray Walston's character, uh, Glenn, is a sociologist. So in the book, he's delivering a lot of basically Stephen King kind of ruminating on things. Mm -hmm. And he says kind of like, oh, I bet we got the school teachers and and the, you know, kind of the, I don't know, the, like, I'm trying to think of what he would say. We got, like, the teachers and the parents. They've got the engineers and the pilots. Because what Flagg is doing is he's building an arsenal and going to fly planes over here to bomb us. We're just building sticks and stones. No, it doesn't at all.
3: Because the movie has that lady engineer. The lady engineer. Sue. Right, right, right. That they get the power plant working again. So – that's confusing to me. In the but, in the
2: movie, I would say it's good and bad. Like that's really okay. how it seems. So
3: the factions seem good and bad. Um, there's some there's some things about the movie that confused me. Less than you would think, though. Um, so basically, it just turns into we're le- we're spending our hours leading up to the standoff between these these two groups. Yeah, is really is really what it turns into to an extent.
2: Um, and then the standoff ultimately. Kind of has nothing to do with anybody other than Trash Can Man.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So there's some really interesting connections to zombie movies and Romero movies in this movie. Mm hmm. Because that gentleman, who is Max Hedrum, I think, is exactly, also that. in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Dawn of the Dead remake. Yep. Also, um, that one zombie from Day of the Dead is in this movie. Zombie from Day of the Dead. Which
1: um, zombie
3: from. The main one. What's his Bob? name? Bob? Yeah. Who's he in this? Oh, yeah, he is. No, I, I didn't know, know who was he is. In He's the doctor that beats up Gary Sinise.
2: <laughs> doctor that beats up. At Gary. the beginning. Oh, interesting. I, I never made that connection.
3: I didn't know what that man looked like out of makeup And I said oh that guy looks really familiar And Zach said oh that's because he's love in Dawn of the De- and Day of the Dead And I said no I think he's in Seinfeld And we looked and we were both right oh. I never knew that And this
2: is the exact reverse of the conversation we had earlier About picturing somebody as a zombie Now it's, you get to picture somebody as a human being It
3: was reversed wow. So it was just an interesting connection Yes, Always looking for those connections So I think that's what the movie's about <laughs> I thought the movie was about the hand of God. Um, so this is that. That's the things that happen. There's a lot of characters. I think Zach was reading to me about things. Apparently, there was an absurd amount of people in this cast, like uh-huh. like 136 or something. I believe. Apparently, that. there were 95 filming locations. Whew. There is, at one point in the beginning, when you meet that smarmy singer guy whose name I can't think of. Larry Underwood. He is in Queens, which I always appreciate. I do, I do as well, yeah. Um, Because I used to live right over by where he's driving. Ah, neat. It is neat. Um, You meet a lot of people, some of them are less likable than others. Some of them Uh, are better acted than others. Look, I apparently have a really um, opposite reaction to one of these characters from everybody else. Um, Roblo's real good in this. I just think he's miscast. I think he's fantastic. He's so likable. Oh, boy. Guys, it does not end well for (laughs) Roblo.
2: Things do not end well for Roblo.
3: Boy, boy do I get upset when that happens. Oh, see, okay, again, this is... And I
2: don't want to be that person that's like, well, in the book it's like this, because I'm not see you have a lot more
3: context though so it's sure oh th- yeah and
2: that's and that i know does fuel a lot of my issues with some of the casting when mm-hmm. the rob Lowe character in the book he's supposed to be like very young and boyish like he's supposed to be like 22 but he looks like he's 16 uh and in the movie it's rob Lowe. he's so handsome oh he's, so like handsome. he's just he's he's too handsome for that character i guess Look, it bothers me. he is a little too handsome in yeah this movie. Uh, my favorite Rob Lowe moment, though, in this movie is not his fault at all. It is the <laughs> fault of, so, okay, we've talked about, like, mistake, like, filming mistakes, and I'm not that eagle-eyed. I don't usually catch them. However, apparently when Nick Garris directs something, I do, because I caught Did something. you see
3: all the, um, the double s- mics? The
2: way- oh no! No oh, the hat? Are you talking about the hat? Oh my god! The hat! Yes, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Of course so, I do. Rob Lowe gets early in the film. Rob Lowe gets jumped by these like, bullies early, because it's early, Stephen like King. The first
3: ten minutes. Yeah, there's just
2: bullies in town because it's Stephen King, and it's the most hilariously terribly done um, fight stunt scene ever. Because he gets jumped. He's not wearing a hat. His hat gets knocked off his head. The next cut, there's a stunt double there wearing a hat. But the hat is almost like perched on his head. It's not even like on. No, it's kind and of I just even like, wonder if it was operating. a dummy standing. If it was like a mannequin, and that's why it didn't look right. I don't
3: know. It looked very weird. We were around it a couple times. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm like, Brandon, come in here watch this. It was strange. But yeah, yes, that was amazing. very funny. Yeah, so again,
2: that's second time I've seen... A notable mistake in a Mick movie. Uh, yeah. Oh, the there were a t- lot of boom oh, mics. I'm sure there were more. Um, second Mick movie
3: we're covering. We're going to do his whole uh, filmography. Oh, boy. He makes a pretty um pretty substantial uh, appearance in this movie He does, well. yes. Him and Stephen King, both have Him and Stephen King. And John Landis. They
2: play characters. Landis is a character, Landis too. Landis is there yeah. as well, yeah. Um, Fun fact about this movie that might make <laughs> you like it a little more. Um, Oh, I don't know if I can like it anymore. (laughs) Okay, originally, uh, it was going, so originally, it was always going to be filmed in part in Boulder, Colorado, but apparently around the time of filming, Boulder, or Colorado, I guess, was passing, like, basically an anti-gay law, or, like, kind of a a law that basically took away gay rights, and -hmm. production was going to move to Utah because of that, because they were like, fuck no, but then, I guess it didn't go through, so oh interesting i mean so hey good for them um
3: so (laughs) so
2: god i have so much look i liked
3: i liked this movie a lot more than i expected did you okay i genuinely enjoyed it we it took us so um did you you watched it on the disc right yes okay so the disc has two sides okay i had Um, two discs you had four discs? No, I think I had two discs. I don't think I had to you, flip them over. Oh, you cut out really bad when you said that. Oh. So we only had one one disc and it had two sides. Um, we watched the first side the first night and the second side the second night. Yeah. Like I, I was like, I was 100% in. and And by the time the first disc ended, I was like, what is happening? What's going to happen with all these people? <laughs> I was so much... I was into it way more than I thought I was going to be. I really thought it was going to be a slog, but I really liked it. I—that is to say, I—that I'd say that last portion, that last fourth, yeah, was it the weakest point? I'd agree. Uh, Stephen King has a hard time with endings. Yes, um, and it is so irrelevant even, here. Yeah, I don't uh. even know if that's how the book ends. Uh,
2: it ends like, similarly.
3: Yeah. The um, yeah.
2: It's, I mean, the same thing, The Hand, the hand of God, uh, Trash can Man blows yep. everybody up. The Hand of God, I guess, helps uh, or something. Um, Stu. Yep, I guess. Yeah, Stu makes his way home. Tom helps him. In the book, oh, my God, this goes on for about 50 pages of everybody in Vegas is dead, and then Stu is hurt, and him and Tom, and Tom helps him, but it's, like, 50 pages of trying to get back to Boulder, and it just keeps going on and on. This
3: is why I can't read Stephen King stuff. This movie also ended 45 times, and I think that the book probably ended 50 times then. Yes. Like, I like Tom a lot. A lot, a lot. I could have just watched um, Rob Lowe and that dude from Coach forever. Like, until the end of time. And apparently Stephen Uh,
2: King said, of all the characters he's ever written and then seen filmed, that Tom Cullen was the one where he... Thought that was the closest to what he pictured when he was writing.
3: It was. It was just really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it. But it. It did the hand of God thing, and then it did the Let's get back to Colorado, and then it did the um, Hey, I'm back in Colorado. It just kept ending. Like, yep. come on. Can I? Can we talk about? I think I voted for Molly Ringwald being oh, the most. I would have disgust. voted for Molly.
2: I think I didn't vote because I didn't want to sway any opinions. But I would have fucking uh, voted for Molly Ringwald.
3: I think I voted for Molly Ringwald. I take it back, Gary Sinise. Really. Ugh. I just... Gary Sinise, man. Look, Gary Sinise, if you're listening, I'm sure you're just wonderful. But in this movie... I should like him in this. Huh? Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. East Texas. That's what they East kept Texas. calling him. I'm like, he's got a name, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just didn't care for him. Very, that Not him. That that character I didn't See, really See, this care was for. the
2: first thing I ever saw Gary Sinise in, I think. And oh my was, gosh, really? It's always been my... Gary, yeah, because this is 94. Forrest Gump is... Ninety four. I think Forrest Gump came out
3: a little later, right? Uh, I've never seen Forrest Gump. Wow. I think okay Ransom so. was the first thing I saw Gary yeah. Sinise in. He's, and I don't know, so I always think of Gary Sinise as
2: this character. Like, more than <laughs> I do Lieutenant Gann, I think of him as Stu. Uh, I don't know, I I, I actually, yeah, no, I, I actually really like him in it. Because he's, to me, that that character is not supposed to be the best looking. He's not supposed to be... He's kind of a natural leader who discovers he's a natural leader, because in the book yeah. he's, he's very quiet, he's unemployed, and it's sort of, oh, and it's, I mean, this is a very, like, end-of-the-world zombie um, trope, I guess, of the normal yeah. everyday guy who turns out to be something yeah, of a he's, hero. Yeah, he's, he's just... Rick in The Walking Dead. Exactly, you know? oh, completely. And actually, yeah. when I read the book this time, I recast a lot of it in my head, and I had, I just had, what's his, Andrew Lincoln as Stu. 100 yeah there were a lot of walking
3: dead-esque things oh totally yeah
2: it's very i'm sure um walking dead owes a little bit to this in terms of some of that
3: it definitely Uh, oh i had what's his
2: name i had um god what's his name on walking dead uh uh, other bad guy of season one and two who's probably the father of baby
3: oh that one guy? The Punisher.
2: The Punisher. That guy. Yeah,
3: what's his name? He Joe is, Burnell. Joe, Joe Burnside? I don't know. I don't know. I had him as the Miguel Ferrer
2: role as Lloyd.
3: Oh, my God. Can we talk about Miguel for a second? You have notes. Go through your notes. I'll stop being Oh, no, gentle, please. I, my notes will
2: come up. Don't you worry. Let's talk about Lloyd.
3: Oh, my God. So, <laughs> I love him. I do, too. He's the best. And yeah. he's... he When he was in prison... So, okay, everybody. Um... The bad thing happens and everybody's everybody dies, and he's in prison, and no one's there to let him out. How horrifying is that? Yeah. I, I, I will be so... I'm, obviously, I'd be upset because everybody's dead and I'm in prison, but, like, imagine that. Like, you're trapped. He could have starved to death in there, but he didn't because... Randall Flag came and staved him.
2: Well, here's another. I'm just gonna give you a little bit of like the book versus the show. So yeah, on the please. show, you find out like he's eaten a rat, like, and he's really ashamed of it. And Flag's like, "How'd you stay alive?" He's like, "Oh, I hoarded food." He's like, "Oh yeah." And they show it like a rat with like a little like nibble bitten off. Yeah, yum, yum, yum. Yep. yeah. In the book, he fucking eats that rat like first thing. And the thing that's like Flags like, "Oh, how are you gonna still stay alive? It's because in the book, the entire time he's looking at. The guy who's dead in the cell across from him thinking, how can I, how can I eat that guy? Mm-hmm. So it's like this step further of like, he's about to resort to cannibalism. Uh, but that aside, I actually, I like him in this. I think he's understated and just makes a really good sort of, again, he's, he's a villain. He is a bad guy. He's a murderer, but it's also He's just totally that, a bad guy. He's yeah. totally a bad guy. But like, and I, th- I think Miguel Ferrer does bring some of this to the show, like, he he isn't a monster. By the end of the show, if anything, you get the sense that maybe he's grown a little bit because yes, when the guy, when like the other guy comes to him and is like, "Hey, we're getting out of here," he's like, "Okay, I'm not going to tell him, but I can't leave him. Like, I yeah. owe my life to Flag. I'm saying." But so there's almost a little bit of growth in him, which I always like. And then Hand of God takes them all away.
3: Yeah, I, I did enjoy that too. I I um. He does. He's great, though. He does a good job yeah. with whatever. But the character it, itself, like aside from the actor portraying it, I did enjoy. Like I un- talk about understanding motivations oh, earlier. Yeah. Like I get why he didn't leave because sure. that d- dude saved him and he yep. pledged his loyalty loyalty to him. He would be the type of guy that that would mean something mm-hmm, to. Yeah. Um. So
2: uh, running through my notes, let's now. So how exactly does a chain link fence Protect the world from a super virus
3: Emily can I tell you I made Zach pause this for 20 minutes While I tried to make fucking sense (laughs) of it all Yeah he said, stop thinking about it. It's not, it's not going to make sense. But look, if that man left with his family, he was already infected. How was it spreading? Was it airborne? Then everybody was already infected. I have so many thoughts about this. Do you know more than I do? Please explain. No, because, again,
2: I re like, I watching the, re-watch the show, and I'm like, okay, the chain link fence. That's not, that's, that is not – because I always thought to myself, I watched this when I was twelve. Okay. Yep. There's certain things when you're 12. Maybe you don't think everything through. You don't understand everything. So I always kind of assumed I just didn't get something. Like, oh, don't worry, Emily. Between the age of 12 and 35, you're going to learn something about biology that is going to make that, that you make sense. Know. Yeah. Yep. And in it the book, they doesn't. don't really explain how it happens. It's just basically something goes off in the facility, and he leaves with his family. So I think it's where it comes out is in him leaving with his family. But I guess because the show does such a point of showing that the fence doesn't close and the guy I mean, saying, you not, gotta close yeah. the
3: gate. You gotta close the gate. And, and like his family. So it's like, it reminded me of like the facility and lost where like, there was clearly stuff going on, but also all these like barracks and houses and stuff like where the families live like on a military base um i don't know why i pulled lost it's like on a military base (laughs) but um so but it's they're just all open and like i'm assuming that these people doing this experiment they're in like an airtight um building and like a facility that's secured and that you're meant to be doing um experiments in because these people were just like in this in the vicinity surrounded by a chain link fence in a, a separate house. But they, they are the ones who brought the infection out. Right. But there's no
2: reason they... it should have left that building. Once it left that building, it really doesn't matter if somebody closed. It doesn't the fucking
3: matter doors. if he left. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't matter. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> and I spent a long time thinking about it. You yeah, know, I, I understand that long time. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Yes.
2: Uh, so, the, w- this does give us, um, two kind of uncredited or cameo, again, there's a couple of cameos, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being one. Oh, <laughs> um, brother. we get Kathy Bates, I love that Kathy Bates brother. cameo. Yeah, that's, to me, that might be the high point of the whole thing.
3: I wish she had been around more. Oh, God,
2: I wish they'd made a spinoff movie of just her being that character. I wanted
3: to think more about her.
2: Yeah. Uh, and Ed Harris, I think, is also, I mean, it's Ed Harris, Stop so he's always going to be it. good just so good
3: i was so upset hey everybody he dies real quick yeah um i was so upset i mean i thought that was really good for that character right right felt real bad about it it's a certain statement yeah
2: but again i agree like and that that might be part of the problem is like give me the movie about ed harris give me the movie about kathy bates oh no you're gonna give me the movie about molly ringwald
3: (laughs) Uh, so molly ringwald i confused about her character motivation from the jump oh god Like, do not... I don't understand what she was doing. Let me ask you a really important question. Oh, boy.
2: Molly Ringwald's character in this movie, Franny, um, Mm -hmm. has a baby. Uh, Yes. Christine? Yes. What did you think about when she... When we find out she's pregnant... Yes. What did you think that... Who was the father of her baby is what I'm asking.
3: Well... Okay. Are you, do you mean like when? I think it starts. At par, that reveals at the very beginning of the third section. They don't like. There's clearly been a time elapse. Things have happened, but they don't. They don't make that clear. Is that what you mean?
2: Okay. So, um, simple question: Who is the father yeah. of that baby? Gary Sinise. No. No, he's I'm not. Sorry, And I always assumed that in the movie he was, but in the book, because in the book he's not. In the book, when you first meet Fran, she's supposed to be like a college student, and she has just found out that she's pregnant. Um, she has like a sort of on-again, off-again boyfriend. This explains yeah, so much. Yeah, let me, let me, this, this, and this was what was crazy to me. So in the book... It's fun. We know from the beginning she is pregnant with this guy's baby. The guy's so out of the picture immediately. You know that from the
3: beginning. You
2: know that from the beginning in the book, and he's out of the picture, and you, she kind of figures he's dead because everybody around her is dead. Dead. Yeah. Um. And then by the time you know, same thing happens. She meets Stu with Harold. She falls in love with him. Blah blah. The entire time she's pregnant, she's worried because she's she knows um, this baby only has half. You know. I'm immune, maybe I'm passing that on, but I don't think the other half of my baby's DNA is immune, so I don't know what's going to yeah. happen. And it also has, you know, affects a lot because then Stu, it's not his baby, so, you know, she, he's going to raise it as his from the get-go, but there's, you know, a certain distance, I think, she puts between it and Stu in yeah. the show. I always, So when I watched this when I was 12, I thought, because of the way it's done – we see it's the start of I think the third episode, like you said. Yeah. We learn immediately her and Stu are now in a relationship and she sits down and in her flat Molly Ringwald intonation says, I'm pregnant. And he says, When are you due? And she says, January.
3: January, yeah. The
2: flu starts and the movie is very clear about time stamping everything. The flu starts in June.
3: That's a really good point. It is not I didn't Sue's even baby. think to look at that.
2: They never – and at the end of the movie when, you know, the baby almost dies basically, the doctor says, you know, well – and it's like so – like this just boggles my mind how messy this is because the doctor basically says, well, you know, in the future when two parents are immune, I think it's going to be Okay. Meaning, I realize now, oh, meaning, okay, well, you know, babies born after this point should be fine because both parents would be immune.
3: But um, then Molly Ringwald says that thing to that other lady about, haven't you thought about that? What if none of these babies are immune? Right. She does. And it, it like, it, the thing about it is all they had to do,
2: it would have made so much sense for it just to be Sue's baby. For her to say, I'm due in uh january february march yeah i'm doing all April. that Confusing shit out. done
3: i'm doing it can April. i, it's can I ask you a We're serious pregnant. question yeah so we it so we started the third episode and i was like did we miss something i really felt like like maybe we we put it in wrong or started at the wrong part sure or it felt very it does, it, no
2: yeah it, it does it does a big kind of because t- i can't remember how two ends with Rob L- the Bralos's team has reached Mother Abigail. yeah, yep. and I think two, three starts with the idea of, oh, everybody has now formed these factions and they're going to Mother Abigail.
3: yeah, but it is. So, it's, I
2: agree it's it's a lot it's, it's a little confusing when you start watching it
3: it is. And so I think, okay, so they've been boning down this whole time, yeah, and she's pregnant. And like, he's like, he's like, you're pregnant. My thing that I was confused about was, and this is I can still be confused about this. His baby or not. Why did finding out she was pregnant make them super horny?
2: Oh, in the book, it's they're horny the entire time.
3: Like, come on. I also had, like, her dad was dead. No one was acting like their people <sighs> were dead. Yeah. Well, it... Oh, God. It, it really, I think,
2: boils... She is so bad in this movie. And... I'm saying this with, I don't, I've never thought much of Molly Ringwald as an actress, quite frankly. I think she had a certain persona that connected, a lot of people connected to when she was 17. I think, you know, she did have that thing that worked in this movie. She is so bad. And you have Mick Garris directing her and Mick Garris is not a good director. Gonna say that. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of those cases where you have some actors who make everything work, but When you have that bad combo, it hurts it so much. And she is really supposed to be such an important part of this. And she is just so bad. She's barely present. And the fact that the whole, like, again, I really was shocked when I rewatched this and realized, oh, my God, on the show, it was never supposed to be his baby. Yeah. How did they make that so unclear? And it's Stephen King's fault, too. He wrote the screenplay for the show. It doesn't make any sense for it not to be Stu's baby because it's so awkward. She says to him, I'm pregnant. In that exact – that's exactly how she says it. I'm not – that is her (laughs) voice. That was actually
3: a a sound clip from the film. Right? I've
2: I've gotten really good at editing, you guys. And it's this – the weirdest conversation where – what are you asking of your audience You're asking them to realize Oh these two characters are now a couple They're in love They're having a baby Oh wait no actually These two couples are, are in love She's having somebody else's baby And he's okay with that But Which, you're not fine. Actually, which is fine say, say one of those things And they don't And it, that's what makes it so weird Because then all that time Stu is trying to get back to Franny How much more powerful is it When Stu is trying to get back to his wife And his dog da- baby in mm-hmm. this case, it's just he's just trying to get back and there's no – if you were to ask Gary Sinise, so were you – who were you, were you going – were you thinking of Molly Ringwald or were you thinking of your your child? I bet he would have said, yeah, it was my kid, right? And then you're like, yeah. no, because, um, you know, you only met her in June and she was doing ch- – oh, wow, I never realized that. I guarantee that's what he would say. Mm-hmm. Guarantee it. It's just messy and it stems back to when you watch The Shining miniseries and the biggest problem with that – is that it is so beholden to Stephen King's novel. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happened in, when, in with some things in the stand. And it, there was no reason for that baby not to be Stu's other than it wasn't in the book. So we're just going to go with that, even though it adds this weird complication that the audience doesn't realize until in hindsight mm-hmm. they say, oh, that didn't really make sense. Yep. So yeah, that bothers me. Yeah. Um, other things bother me as well let's talk mm-hmm. about harold let's start with him yes uh so parker lewis plays harold yes how much do you love his zit makeup
3: okay so i fucking and i called it i called it i love being i love so many things but nothing more than being right <laughs> so he shows up with that zit makeup and those foxy glasses i know he was supposed to look like a dork but those glasses are on point point. and i say oh so by the second part he's not gonna have glasses and sits anymore and zach's like no he'll put the glasses on again i think and i was totally right though <laughs> i don't think he does
2: again in the book he's also he's fat and pimply
3: oh come off it Parker Lewis, you know who Parker Lewis, this is going to sound awful. Parker Lewis is very attractive. Obviously, he was on television. You know who he kind of reminds me of? Friend of the show, Matthew. I could see that. I could totally see that. Like, in a weird way. They yeah. have similar head shapes, Matt I think. Zizaka could play Corin
2: Nemec in a biopic of Corin Nemec's life.
3: You heard it here first, folks. You did, yeah. But uh, anyways, to say that that's supposed to be an unattractive character is absurd yeah it's madness it's yeah it's stupid um
2: again my casting in the book i had jonah hill in that part oh like young jonah hill. yeah yeah why yeah. not right Wait. i'm i'm pretty good at dream casting when i read just saying um and okay so but it's like it's literally did you play girl talk when you were young of course. Of course you did. Remember so so for those of you who don't know, Girl Talk was a board game for preteen girls in the early 90s. Yes. And it would have things like truth or dare and like, you know, call a boy you like and hang up on him. Like this these were actual like cards in the game. And if you didn't do something, if you were like no, I'm not going to do that, you had to wear a zit sticker. Oh, it, was, yeah. it, was a, it was a sticker that was a zit and that's what they put on corn Nemec in the first scene of this movie and then by the second scene i think his glasses are still on but his zits are off and then by the third scene he is his skin is clean as a baby's bottom yep it is hilarious what,
3: what was the point of that uh-huh.
2: now we know what the point because let's talk about the area of miscasting Where, again, I know this is purely... Actually, no, because I felt this way before I read the book. I had a problem with this. I like Laura Sangiacomo quite a bit. I think she's... Yeah, I like her in Just Shoot Me. Yeah, I think she's actually a very good actress. I think she's sexy and very funny. And I think you can cast her really well.
3: Are we going to talk about wigs? So,
2: okay, we can talk about wigs. Before wigs, Christine, when she says to Harold, I am a virgin, did you believe her? No. No, right? Because it's a joke, right? She, no, it's real. She is a, the whole point is that she's a virgin and she's saving oh, the flag. Have,
3: not devil wants to Dev, not devil to wants a virgin, yeah. But, but that wasn't clear. But
2: because you meet Laura San Giacomo in this movie, Larry is a rock star and he meets her in New York, and she is sitting in New York, and she's fucking Laura San Giacomo. She is sultry and she is urban you know she's clearly a city woman um she is wearing deep red lipstick even though everybody's dead and there's no way nobody to wear it for
3: i do wonder about that i mean i like wearing makeup as much as the next person but everybody's dead i might need a couple days off Oh god
2: i would yeah i can just imagine what my eyebrows would look like
3: because <laughs> when i stop fucking long
2: it's it's a werewolf city here so I, I, and again when i watched this when i was 12 I thought she was lying when she when I he says yes. yeah I've never d-. she's like I you know we can't do that one thing I've never done it either I thought she was just being a tease I really yeah. did and I then I read she- the book
3: well I even pointed it out I think Zach and I had a discussion about it and you know what this might be the second time that someone's told me she really was a virgin mm-hmm. and I'm just reacting and like you just I don't, don't believe know. it." yeah um I think part of it was her delivery yeah I think her delivery was very coy Yep. Like, like, just not this one thing. I, mean, I thought, and I know that I'm wrong. I thought that one, she didn't want to bang him, and two, devil not devil told her not to. Sure. Because she, he told her not to bang the other dude, Larry, I guess is his mm-hmm. name. Yep. So I thought that's why. I didn't know that she was like a for realsies, like forever virgin. Yeah. I think Zach told me she was a virgin, and you then explained it. Yeah. that that's why. Randall Flagg wanted her to have the devil baby.
2: Now, here's where, again, the issue comes up for a book reader.
3: In the book, basically, the
2: character of Nadine on the show is really a composite of three characters. When Larry is leaving New York, he meets a 50-something wealthy New York socialite who's a pill popper Mm -hmm. named Rita And she ultimately um, ODs on pills and and dies. Then he meets Nadine, who is traveling with Joe, the little boy who's kind of feral. Yep. And she is a school teacher. And she is, uh, you know, in the book she's described as basically being very ethereal, very beautiful, but very, there's something weird about her. There's some distance. And you you figure out why as you get her side, which is that yes, yeah, she's a virgin. She was she always knew somehow that she was meant to wait for something, and that something ends up being flag. Mm-hmm. She is a sort of um, trying to think, again for me like casting her. I had like a sort of like Winona Ryder esque type for her, of just this very haunting, beautiful woman who you know men are attracted to but yet there is a distance there yeah and i'm sorry if you're a virgin you do not act the way laura sangiacomo does in this movie you don't have that ease with people that she has in this movie um and then there is the and then of course in the book eventually we meet lucy who ends up being larry's girlfriend slash wife slash whatever Mm -hmm. in the on the show lucy is the one who has joe with her uh Which, I mean, again, makes sense. Fine. But then the character of Nadine just, she doesn't translate to that casting. It is impossible to believe that this woman is a virgin. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. And it just makes that whole relationship weird and that character. I think the character still works because I think Laura San Giacomo finds something in there that's really interesting to play. Uh, But... Well, did, uh, did, uh, this is a virgin?
3: I I I did. It was not clear to me. I know yeah. that she explicitly said it, but it wasn't clear to me. I thought it was a misdirect. Yeah, yeah. I know it. it, it yeah. 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 Um. So that's
2: where I have the biggest issue with casting because I just think you can't combine a character. You can't com- The logic makes sense. You didn't need a Rita in on the show at all yeah but then you can't turn this character who's supposed to be very pure into this sexy new yorker it's just hard to swallow mm-hmm. so that bothered me um but uh let's see what else do i have here uh so night so do 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 uh, we get a good gun throw in here. I always enjoy a good gun throw. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah those are fun. Um, I just, I'm just looking at my notes, and I just have all in caps, SHE'S NOT A VIRGIN! Yep. Uh, the Lincoln Tunnel scene is one that bothers me, because in the book it's really cool and kind of awesome, and just the idea, every time I go through... It's something my dad, because my dad read this years ago, and every time we would go through a tunnel, he'd be like, just imagine if all these cars were filled with dead people and you had to walk oh, through cool. it. So, and in the show, it's just kind of like, boo, dead person. Yeah,
3: yeah. it definitely wasn't, it wasn't played the way I thought it was going to yeah. be. I also, I understood why she didn't want to go through it, and yeah. then I thought, just take the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, what What are you, like, late for a meeting? Right, like, like they go, have take, time. Like, take the bridge, I get it, I wouldn't want to walk through either. Then I was thinking about, like, the lack of movement of the air, because, like, it's a long time, what is it, it's like a mile, isn't it? I think so, yeah, at least. Like come on you're like so you're gonna be in stagnant dead people air yeah, yeah. no. then you're coming out in jersey like eesh. yeah come on take Dude, the bridge yeah. i was very angry about that i understand but i thought i thought it so i thought it was going to be played for a, a little bit more like creepy effect yeah and it really wasn't and it was just kind of like oh. i mean based on the cgi maybe that was a good thing oh boy, my gosh
2: yes. some of that cgi now granted it's 1994 this is made mm-hmm. for tv Certainly. You know, it's, you give it a certain grade of salt, but some of it's really rough. Some of it's like the shining topiary levels of rough.
3: Well, some of it reminded me of Sleepwalkers.
2: Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, all so, the morphing.
3: There's so much morphing. All the mor- So much morphing. Oh my God. Um, there's a lot of morphing in this. Yes. Um, Randall Flagg. And the actor whose name I don't know that plays Randall Flagg, James but I know from Law Order, is creepy and yeah. makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, he does not need to be morphed. <laughs> Do not morph don't him. Don't morph him. He is making me uncomfortable with just his regular head. Was it the mullet? I
2: think the mullet might have been the creepy part.
3: Oh, it's okay. So the Canadian tuxedo, yeah, is is bad. The just his, his denim jacket and the fact that his pins are always moving around yeah. on his denim jacket, sure. yeah i'm not kidding really made me unsettled yeah. um his hair made me uncomfortable his face made me mm-hmm. uncomfortable the feathers that would occasionally be in his hair made me uncomfortable he was creepy yeah i like him it no, you don't need to morph him no yeah, no i agree i had when i was reading i had um like
2: killer joe era matthew mcconaughey in that part oh yeah yes, yes. yeah i i think it's a pretty good um there's again like talking about the all the things i catch when i watch anything mcgarris as far as mistakes go um christine what do you think is the sexiest time of day like if you Uh, were going to seduce a stranger like i would say dinner what time would it be the the height of the afternoon totally (laughs) right because that's when nadine and harold are like being all lovey-dovey, drinking wine—it is fucking sun shining outside, yep. right? When it is when the sun is yeah. at its peak. Yeah, it's like it's—it's it's our first time. It's going to be a nooner, I guess. That's—that's that's how we do it in Boulder. It would seem. Yep.
3: Let's have some lunch and get to it. <laughs> yes, have some red wine with our <laughs> steak sandwiches. Is that supposed to be blood? No, I thought it was wine. But what do I know? I don't know. You read the book. Yeah, I know. But I they don't
2: know. know. Does he drink blood? That. I don't know. They, no, I don't think they drink blood. I don't think. Okay. I could Thank borrow. you. It's really It looks really long. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about, I will say, so we talked about Nadine's wigs. Yep. Her scarves. She's got some fucking intense scarves, man.
3: She brought so much stuff with her. Like, I get, like,
2: I I think there's a part of me, and that's why I think the first act is, like, my favorite, because I, I like, you do have to wonder, okay, if everybody around me, especially me living in New York, everybody's dead like i'm gonna wander a little bit i'm gonna go shopping
3: right yeah i take some shit
2: yeah um okay it's not stealing nobody's using exactly, it <laughs> right like i guess there's something of like okay well i really like um i don't know i really like rings so i'm gonna take myself a bunch of rings nadine really fucking like scarves love scarves yeah scarves and, wigs. scarves and wigs that's what she's known for um i do really like the visual of her on her like little cute pink motorcycle Loved that it's Kind of adorable she, I wanted to love that character Yeah, I really did I, And again I think With a little bit of changes I think she could have been great It's just yeah. it, It's so bothersome That the core of this character Is supposed to be A woman who has saved herself For the devil mm-hmm. And yet everything else Around this character Makes it really hard for me To buy This confident Sexy Sultry woman Who has not had sex yep (sighs) yeah strange yeah uh m-o-o-n that smells strange yeah it
3: it truly does i'm glad glad we both got to do it
2: (laughs) oh um another great thing about like the on the noseness of the good and bad people is when uh tom cullen is oh god where is it like i think it's after god where's the line he says something to Roblow about, like, are they the good people or are they bad? Are they good like us? Like, just in case you weren't sure whose side yeah. you're supposed to be on here. It's very heavy-handed. Um, the, oh, there's a lot of vomit in this movie, too. Harold throws up, like, ten times in this movie.
3: I don't know. Did I notice that? I don't, I don't
2: know why it stuck for me so much, but... Huh, I don't really remember, oh,
3: yeah, yeah, I guess he did.
2: Uh, okay, one thing that does bother me about Roblo, so he's been, like, deaf and mute for his whole life, right, on uh-huh. the show, we're led to believe. Yeah. So he communicates by writing down things. Yep. He's a fucking slow writer.
3: Like, you were Is a waitress, he? like, you, you know how to write fast, right? Well, he wanted people to be, to be legible. But it's
2: like he's writing down his name, and it somehow, like, takes, like, five, it's, I don't know if you've ever had, like, a bad waiter who, like, you give your order to, and it's like they're right Oh, yeah, and they're,
3: word. you make shorthand for something. Like, you do, yeah. like, MR and W for medium rare and well, mm. and, like, you've stupid yeah. You know, he he watched people's mouths when they talked, though. It was really cute. Yes, yeah, Cindy. Apparently, I think what his father is doing
2: Deaf, I think.
3: Oh. So
2: he did come from with that knowledge and stuff. Oh, and I so like nice. Roblo. Roblo like, gone too soon. I think Roblo is one of those guys who seems, like, I've listened to interviews with him. He's he's delightful. He's very funny. He seems very smart. Um, I think, like, he's, like, found a really good place in his life where he's really enjoyable right now. Uh, you know, this kind of came, I I guess when you think about it, to put it in context, it's 94. It's a few years after uh, Close to his, like a few years after his big hotel room scandal, this might have been mm-hmm. like a start of his comeback. If I if I have to look at timing, but because this is right around the time of Wayne's World, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think was sort of I his so. like first kind of big thing back, is like, oh Rob Lowe, right? Okay, yeah. he's not in jail. Uh, oh, that guy, yeah. yeah. And Molly Ringwald too. Like this is a couple of years; she's no longer a teenager. This was probably mm-hmm. meant to be something. He's not terrible. I just find him distracting, I guess. I don't know. I, I, he's, he's not Nick to me. But again, mm-hmm. that's me coming from a specific place. Um, yeah. The It's very on the nose, but I like the music selection of the movie. I like Don't Fear the Reaper. I'm a, I like Blue Oyster Cult. They're a Long Island yeah. based. Uh, I like Eva Destruction. Like, there's certain things I Yeah, I had no problem
3: with the music. Yeah. Um, you like The Hand of God? No. (laughs) That looked real bad. Oh, God, it looks so bad. Oh, Shawnee Smith is in this, too, and I hate her. Do you love her in this? I love her in this. Not not like a person. I don't hate her as a person. No, I hated her in this. Like... She was so awful. Like, as a character or as an actor? As a character. I'm sure she... I mean, she. I don't typically hate her, and she made me hate her. Yeah, a lot of liberal use of the R word in this movie. Yeah, and lots I mean, of lots of the R word happening. It was a different time. Yeah, she's 24. mean and she's yeah. mean. Oh, she's terrible. She's yeah, mean. She's my like two favorite characters.
2: Yes, yes. She is awful, but I I love her performance in it. I love that she just goes for it. Yeah. So I dig that. Um, Okay, do you want to hear my drinking game, my stand drinking game? Yes, please. Okay, so if you want to get really drunk or dead while watching the stand, you should take a drink anytime somebody says, God. Not like God, but like when they say God, because that happens a lot. That's one. Anytime Mother Abigail says, stand, stand.
3: At least five times. Oh, At least five when, times. When she's dying, Ugh. she just keeps saying it. She just keeps
2: saying it and keeps dying. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. That seems it, like forty minutes long. It really is. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, if for an eight-hour movie, it's weird that they gave so much time to that. Uh, anytime um, Molly Ringwald like looks confused and then goes Poof! and like puffs her bangs. Like, also, like, you got Molly Ringwald. Why the fuck are you giving her that shitty haircut? Like, she doesn't look good (sighs) in this movie, right? She doesn't look good. Like, she's not good. That's fine. But she's not even, like, she's not cute in this movie. And I don't mean to be mean, but she should be either really likable, a good actor, or really cute. And she's none of those things in this. And she
3: constantly, like, her main acting trick in this is to go... (sighs) Well, I questioned what she was doing here and why she was playing it like that. And Zach said, if memory serves from reading the book, that character and the word he used was vampy, was like kind of like a vampy bombshell. Is that true? Okay, so uh, here's who I
2: I cast in that part. When I was reading it, I was having trouble, and then I, I figured out who it was. She's supposed to be like, again, 21, I think, or so, a little bit older than Harold. Harold's supposed to be like 16, 17. But she's, she's a young woman. She is significantly younger than Stu. She is very beautiful, and she is aware of that. I had alias era Jennifer Garner in that part. Okay. I think she is supposed enough. to be very girl next door, but very attractive. And so Harold's very in love attractive. with her Because Harold is a nerdy, lonely boy And she's the last woman on Earth And, like, in the book It's even more so where Like, he's leaving Like, when they travel Like, he'll leave a note to say, like, you know Harold loves Franny And then what happens is Larry actually ends up, like, following them And sort of develops this whole, like Picture of who Harold and Franny are And then he meets them he's like, oh, that's not what I pictured Kind of thing So, I think what her part oh, is... Oh, that's interesting. In the books, to me, Franny is supposed to be the the woman, to say... Because, honestly, there aren't enough... There aren't many... There's female characters. Dana's a good character. Um, Sue Stern is there, but she, she dies was pretty my quickly. Who, Dana? Dana was my favorite. Yeah. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so Franny is supposed to be kind of the... What's, I'm trying to figure out, like, the way to say it without saying it wrong. She seems to be the woman who's supposed to sort of represent, I think, womanhood and motherhood. Right? She's pregnant, but mm-hmm. she's very, she is sexual. Like, her and Stu are banging all the time. But she is also the one – she's the only one who objects to, I think, sending spies. And she objects to – um like she's kind of i guess like the heart of the council if you will and it feels a little Mm -hmm. bit like she's the emotional woman basically yeah and it kind of makes sense it again feels a little regressive in 2017 to look at it that way but then you don't feel that way in the movie because molly ringwald is so terrible in this that i don't think any of that comes through so it doesn't matter definitely not yeah Like they have in the book, this very her and Stu fall into this kind of very traditional marriage where, like, she talks like there's a whole pages about her trying to figure out how to do laundry without a washing machine, and it's all like Mm -hmm. you know, like Stu comes home and she's like, I'm gonna wash your laundry. It's fine. It's it's it feels very 1950s in a way. It kind of makes sense for it, but it's weird for I guess me to identify with that in 2017. Yeah. Okay a few more drinking things um, whenever the CGI is really obvious, you take a shot and then die because mm-hmm. you would have had a lot whenever <laughs> whenever a matte painting is very obvious, you also take a shot and then die yep uh, anytime you spot a mullet because it's not just Jamie Sheridan you got a few um, whenever somebody <sighs> scrubs a guitar <laughs> Okay, whenever, That's a good one. whenever the camera very deliberately um, stays on Jamie Sheridan's ass, Mick Garris. Does that happen a lot? A few times. It's also he's wearing very tight pants. But I feel like Mick Garris yeah. has the affection for Jamie Sheridan's ass that Rob Zombie has for Sherry Moon. There's a lot of ass yep. shots. Um, okay, whenever. <laughs> My favorite thing in any movie ever is the whole, like, Chekhov's cough. Whenever a character coughs, they're going to die. Take a shot every yep. time a character coughs, because why not? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, drink whenever a character commits suicide, because,
3: again, it happens uh, quite a bit. And I was, look, when da- so spoilers, when Dana did it, I thought it was awesome Oh it's it's
2: badass yeah because she does it And but it, then... that's actually verbatim to the book She because even in the book she mm-hmm. realizes She can't even jump out the window She doesn't have a good out so it's like Fuck it I'm going to break glass and impale myself On it in order to not give up The other spy
3: And then But by the time um, We get to um, Nadine what is, Nadine Yeah by the time we get to her, it's kind of like, "Oh, so all this is all the women in this this thing do. Yep. This is what we're doing." And again,
2: and here's, it was a little less good. Yeah, it it feel cuz it does really feel like, "Oh, didn't we just do this? Didn't somebody else didn't yeah. didn't an attractive woman just kill herself with flag?" And here's a funny thing. And it's like all of the changes made, and I I hate to say this cuz I'm normally all for adjusting your book to the medium of adaptation if you have to you should you're going to have to change things you're going to condense characters you're going to change plot but i feel like all the changes in the miniseries hurt and don't help so here's one yeah in the book it's a very similar scene where where again the dana scene is exactly what happens in the book the nadine and flag scene what happens Similar to what happens on the show She kind of starts taunting him And saying things And saying it's all falling apart People are leaving you You don't have power People are slipping through your fingers And in the book She keeps talking And Flag is so enraged That he just fucking pushes her off the. He pushes her off the ledge And as soon as he does He realizes Son of a bitch That's what she wanted me to do so mm-hmm. she basically goads him into killing her. And in the show, she just fu- jumps off the ledge. <laughs> now, it doesn't not make sense for the character, but when 10 minutes earlier the same exact thing happened, it just feels kind of silly.
3: <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't think it fit well. Right. Yeah, it just the pacing doesn't it quite it make didn't... sense.
2: Yeah. It didn't, yeah, it didn't work. Um, And then the last time you're going to drink, if you're still alive, when you watch the stand. Um, And this is like, here's what it is. You have a little bit of your drink left. So you're just going to drink through it Um, for the entire duration that it is very clear that you're watching a stuntman and not the actor. So that could go on for a while.
3: You know, I honestly didn't notice it that much, except for the Rob Lowe thing. I, I,
2: I can't remember. I wish I'd written down specifically where else it happened, but I know it happened a few other times where I'm like, "Whoa, that's not I'm a woman." Positive that it did.
3: Yeah, I'm sure that it did. Oh yeah. Oh, when Parker Lewis, the Parker Lewis <gasps> yes, motorcycle, motorcycle f-
2: oh my god, the motorcycle 100%. fly. I think the guy has a beard. Like it sits so bad. Yeah. It's really weird. Completely different build. Yep. Like, like who is that? Okay. Yeah. Oh boy, but uh it's something, isn't it?
3: Um, I other than that last portion, I liked it. Mm-hmm.
2: I again, there's things I like about it. Um, I, I, and I don't even know if I wish it was. I wish it was either great or cast better, or I would just maybe just Molly Ringwald. Yeah, because she's really bad, and it really hurts everything. I she's, think she's bad in it. Yeah. She's she's not good at it Now they have been toying with This is a property that has been In development hell Since it was written Basically um, I mean obviously mm-hmm. they did do this miniseries After years of different people trying to get a film version Out of it uh, there, was t- there was a lot of movement in 2011 That it was going to be turned into a film again At one point Ben Affleck was attached um, I don't know in what capacity uh, That fell apart
3: the Molly Ringwald character.
2: <laughs> what I wonder is um, if it does. It opens pretty soon. I'm excited. I really hope it's good. Uh-huh. Uh, I wonder if that does. If the two films of that do well, if somebody's going to be like, we're, we're doing the stand, and we're doing it as two movies or three movies. Although now that the Dark Tower flopped, I don't know that... Dark Tower didn't do well. No, it did not. But again, Dark Tower also... I mean, I haven't seen it. And I I never read the Dark Tower book, so I don't want to speak out of turn of it. But from what I understand, it seems like Dark Tower fans hate it because it just isn't what they wanted. And is such a... You have, what, a 10-book series that's turned into a 90-minute film? Yeah. so I don't know, I, I'm I'm curious if with it being a pretty high profile release and a somewhat experimental release, I wonder if that's going to re-spark a somebody should make a two, three part version of The sound. I don't know. I'd watch that. Yeah. Um something that I would recommend but I haven't read it I just skimmed through a lot of it at a comic book shop and said to myself I'm going to put this on my library queue and read some of it. Uh they did in 2008 um I don't know if it was Dark Horse maybe somebody put out like graphic novels of the sand and I skimmed through it and it was really cool like the the look was great and it was intriguing and funner fact it's apparently written or adapted by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa who did the Town the Dreaded Sundown remake who wrote that and I think is the showrunner for Riverdale. Oh okay. He's the Riverdale guy as well which I know you're a fan of. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, So it's just a recommend of like maybe if you don't want to tackle the novel this you might enjoy this.
3: I don't want to tackle the novel ever. I mean I (laughs) I like the novel. I
2: I like reading Stephen King. Even when I have problems with I it, I don't it's like reading Stephen reading King. Yeah, then you shouldn't read it
3: because <laughs> it's, it's. I don't want to read
2: it. But it's I, very. Stephen I would King. look at it. Look yeah. at comic. You should look at it. it in comic form. I'd be yeah. curious about what you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you have more to say about the
3: stand? I think yeah. that's
2: all my notes.
3: I think that's it. Um, I don't know what we were thinking pairing this with <laughs> the a Romero movie when we. Done a Romero movie before You know I think It's mad <laughs> I, I think we just kind of got caught
2: up In the moment of I really Wanted to do Land of the yeah. Dead and you said The stand I'm like yes we're doing the stand In Land of the Dead that right. makes sense And there there are some thematic tie-ins Again Romero at some at one Point wanted to make the stand Um, You mm-hmm. could very much Look at especially I'd say day And land and I feel like there's elements That tie them together, certainly Um, Yeah You know, they are both post apocalyptic Good
3: guys, bad guys I think they go together perfectly I think they do In very different ways I just think it I think we just did off a lot We did, yeah (laughs) Um,
2: I don't know how long this episode is It's long It is 11.30 at night Which for me is like, whoa
3: Right Way past her It time. was the last time
2: I stayed up this late. Maybe Christmas Eve when I was eight. I don't know. Um, but man, oh man, I am glad we did this. And I'm just yeah. I'm,
3: I don't think I will have anything else to say. I'm glad I finally watched it. Yeah,
2: it's uh, it's something. I think it was. I guess it wasn't the no because had it in the 80s. I feel like it kind of revived the miniseries format in a way. And I could be completely wrong about this. Yeah. But it seemed, it was a very successful have. miniseries. Um, I, I think it re-sparked that, I guess. I would take, and again, mm-hmm. I I look forward to, and I'm sure in my lifetime, I will see another version of The Stand. I look forward to that version of The Stand. I welcome that version of The Stand. Oh, good. As long as it has a hand of God in it. Oh, I can only hope. M-O-O-N, that spells hand of God. Christine. Hand of God, yeah. Let's rate the yeah. stand quality of okay film oh boy um this is really hard it's really hard i'm gonna go it's uh, i'm gonna go um six well i'll stick at six yeah i have so many problems with it oh I, there's a lot where i would say that's not good that's not good that's not good but it is Uh, six point seven five. Okay. Okay. Quality of life. This is hard. So for me, six point seven five. This is higher for me because this was like a really important. I feel like this was an important part of my growth and life. I watched it when I was young. It did make me re I I think this might have been my first Stephen King novel that I read. Uh, -hmm. it. I think helped birth my post-apocalyptic plague fandom. It um, introduced me to Gary Sinise, Christine uh, So Thank I'm going to say Quality of life, hey man, this movie made my life better And it's really entertaining In a weird way to watch now So I'm going to say this is a quality of life of 8 For me Wow, that's yeah. high Real? Oh yeah, I'm not saying this has I... anything to do with how good it is It's purely
3: that No, no, no I, I think I'm going to stand by my 6.75 mm-hmm. If the 4th fourth portion had been better, I would have easily been seven, seven point five. I hear you. Um I have trouble rating the quality of film on this because there are there are so like what then I start to get like, well what does quality really mean? (laughs) Like I thought i know i thought it was paced okay and i thought a lot of the acting was pretty good Mm -hmm. but then the morphs were terrible i saw a hundred boom mics then like so what are we talking about quality wise right right. the film seemed to be poorly constructed (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard one man it's hard yeah all right i stick with my 6.75 go for it um all right so that
2: was the stand people the stand now, uh,
3: you got an instant watch recommendation for the folks at home? Or in the It drink? is a Hulu recommendation.
2: Ooh, Hulu Hulu. Yeah, that spells Hulu. It's a Hulu
3: recommendation. <laughs> uh, that spells Hulu. Um, it is um on Hulu. I watched Needful Things. <gasps> Yay! That is a good um, movie. Hey, guess what? It's a good movie. Yeah. Um why so so um this has been a very stephen king time for us all clearly um dark tower mm-hmm. i mean it's been a month since we recorded dark tower came out right it was gearing out. up to it yep yeah there's been a lot of talk so you know what people do every time a new stephen king thing they happens? Rank they make they make lists I've and they write so many lists it. yeah i i don't understand why needful things isn't on every list
2: i don't either it is, I it's think, yeah, one of good. the best adaptations, and it's also one of his best books. Are up there? I liked the book a lot. Um,
3: I actually, I actually did um, read most of this book. Okay. Uh, um, I I didn't realize I had until the other night. I was talking to somebody on Twitter, and they they gave a brief rundown of why they liked it, and I was like, wait, I've read this, and I asked my mom, and she said that I never finished it for some reason. But I, I mean, I don't. I remember liking it. I think mm-hmm. I just always thought this was a different book. The movie is is really really good. The acting yeah. in it is great. Yep. Like it is probably one of okay. So here's the thing. You know how there there are Stephen King movies that aren't Stephen Kingy. You know, like The Shining isn't particularly sure. Stephen King like. Yeah. And you know, I watch Dead Zone. That's mm-hmm. not yeah, Dead Carrie. Not... Like when when a director gets it and does a thing with it. Right. I feel like those are when your that director is not tops. Exactly. Those are your obvious top of the list things. I feel like Needful Things is the most Stephen King movie that I've ever enjoyed this much. It is. It is. Died in the wool Mm -hmm. Stephen King, but it's enjoyable.
2: I would. I would agree with that. I love it. Yeah, because it it is very. I mean, set in Castle Rock. There's a baseball card. Like there, there is so much Stephen Kingism in it. But it's maybe just because it's a fairly straightforward story. Um. Yeah, because I, I Brannon is a huge fan of it, uh, and so mm-hmm. I watched it with him a couple of years ago. And yeah, it's it's good. It's it's and it's weird that it really does get the short shift, and I don't know why. But um,
3: I don't know why. Yeah, if it just came out. The of things the time, people put on their yeah. The things people put on their best of Stephen King lists is just confusing to me. And then you have something like this. That no one, no, not enough people are talking about. Yep. Like, talk about this movie. It's really good. It's good. Yeah, I agree. Um, all
2: right, it's a really good cast, too. It's what, Bonnie Bedelia and oh, Harris. No.
3: Is it Max von Oh. Yeah. Yes. So good. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh, if you haven't seen it in a while and you and it pops on your radar, you should watch it. it Agreed. It, 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 I was so surprised. Yep. We put it on to, like goof on it and then i was like this movie's real good let's
2: <laughs> well, stop goofing yeah yeah all right my netflix recommend is very simple you got 20 minutes yeah in your life okay great then you can watch my netflix recommend uh it is oh man it? <laughs> yeah it is um an animated little film called world of tomorrow This was nominated for one of the short Oscar. Now the Oscars have like the short animated short Mm -hmm. category. This was one of the nominees last year, I think, maybe the year before. Uh, It is just a 20 minute little animated. It's just basically a little girl is like a very little girl is playing and stuff. And all of a sudden this hologram ish thing appears and says, I am the fourth generation of you in the future. We clone. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the future. And it's really funny. It's really weird. Um, I watched it at the gym. I was on the elliptical. And I'm like, okay, I have 20 minutes left. Yeah, let me do Uh do this. And it was just, it's hard to explain. And I'm not usually somebody that can like, I don't know. I guess it's my sense of I want, you know, if I'm going to watch something, I want to either really be able to think about it or maybe write about it. So I don't always watch short films. And I know a lot of people really love the Oscar shorts. I just never think to myself, I want to watch them. Um but this there's it's delightful and weird and I really recommend you just when you have 20 minutes just give it a go and I think you'll be you'll see what I mean it's hard to explain but it's totally worth it so
3: Oh it's on okay Netflix,
2: Netflix instant give it a go
3: I didn't know that shorts streamed like that they
2: don't always I think it kind of depends on a lot of factors I mean a lot of them are usually like The Pixar ones for example Where you're not going to find them streaming so much um, This yeah. one I think was kind of independent uh, But yeah it's there And it's again 20 minutes Give it a go Alright um, Do you cool. know? Do you have ideas of what you want to cover next time? You brought oh, up a movie I, no I don't know if you actually want to cover it next Do you want to do Christine Or do you want to wait on that until you can recover? Let's wait. Okay. That's fine. Can I give a recommendation then? Or do you have one? You have one. Go. What's yours? Go.
3: No, no, I don't have one. I don't have one. I don't have one. No, you
2: said it. Go, go, go.
3: I don't have one. I think
2: you have something that you want to say. I really don't. Stand up for yourself, Christine. I
3: want you to pick. (sighs) <sighs> i okay. don't have anything all the star wars movies
2: okay i no. i think i have one that you're gonna have a good something too because brandon has Ooh, asked okay. me like two, two weeks in a row he's like oh do you want to watch this movie i'm like you know i've never seen this movie and i know i've wanted to see it but i feel like i should watch it when we're going to cover it on the show because i get the feeling christine's going to want to talk about it because it's a brian de palma <gasps> film and it is raising Kane*.
3: I've never seen it. Never seen it. Wow. Okay, cool. We'll watch that next time. Yeah, it's on my, it's on my Brian De Palma doesn't make many movies, if any movies anymore. So I'm going to hold off list. Oh, I
2: hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. All right. Well now you can no longer hold off on that one. Do you know, do you have any ideas yet? Or do you want to think about what you want to pair it with? Can I think about it? You can think about it. I just want to remind you that this means we get John Lithgow and he is always welcome at the feminine critique.
3: I know. I'm wondering if I should try to do a John Lithgow double feature.
2: Gosh, can we handle that much Lithgow?
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) The answer is yes. We will find out when next we meet. Um, One other thing I wanted to mention was people were asking, or Alan was asking on Facebook, he's a people, um, saying, hey, do you have a list of movies you've covered? And so I actually made a letterboxed list of all the movies i think we covered i hope i might have missed some she's amazing well it's like i realized as i did it i'm like i probably should have put like which episode they're on but if you're curious if we covered anything because we're not always good about documenting stuff um you can follow that list on letterboxd without an e um i think you can either search for the feminine critique or if you search for me deadly dolls uh i think you'll probably see that list so if you're curious it exists now somewhere on the internet yeah okay
3: yay thank you for for doing that oh not a problem
2: i had i had some time uh okay well with all of that being said um i guess the lesson we've learned is m-o-o-n that spells good night moon good night moon moon (laughs) oh god the stand okay cgi morph goodbye
0: Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? Can't you feel the fears I'm feeling today? If the button is pushed, there's no running away. There'll be no one to save, with the world in a grave Take a look around you boy, it's bound to scare you boy And you tell me over and over and over again My friend, I don't believe we're on the eve of destruction Tell me over and over and over again, my friend I you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction Think of all the hate there is in Red China Then take a look around No, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction